On this episode of Reliterated, we explore the mind of a madman. A story about an eccentric billionaire that lures in children with a promise of candy, only to place them in a terrifying gauntlet of traps. A man who has all but imprisoned a whole society of people to work and test his menagerie of insidious inventions. Can these kids survive the horrors that await them as their worst vices become their ultimate undoing? Will a boy who has suffered his whole life survive this last man standing test of will against this crazy old man and return to his meager existence. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of pure reliteration as we explore Charlie and the Chocolate Factory on Reliterated, the only podcast in the world to be mixed by Waterfall. And welcome to Reliterated, the lowbrow book club where three completely unqualified man children read or reread the books we had to read in school that we read for fun or the books that were otherwise popular during our childhood in the 90s. And we reflect on those lessons we took away from them back then and compare them to how they read now from our current day perspective as grown ass men. We use language too mature for kids, analysis too immature for literary scholars, and ignorance too profound to be inoffensive to everyone. I'm Andy, and with me are my hosts, uh, other hosts, <laughs> co-hosts, if you will. Harold. And Josh. What's up, guys? How's everybody doing? Oh, doing pretty good, considering. Uh, doing better than Raw Dahl. Oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Fucking piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, we're just jumping right into it, ain't we? He was a literal piece of shit. (laughs) It's amazing how somebody who wrote so many stories that kids, like, listen to. I mean, we're talking Charlie and Chocolate Factory, James and the Giant Peach. I remember watching James and the Giant Peach over and over and over and over again when I was a kid. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I knew nothing about this man prior to this. Oh, by the way, this this episode, we're going to be covering Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Roald Dahl. But anyway, more on this, uh, more on dragging Mr. Dahl, because I'm liking this. Uh, there's no dragging. He pushed himself out into the forefront. He literally called himself an anti-Semite in 1990. Oof. He told his uh, wife that he was married to until 1983 that he would rather be dead than fat. <laughs> He was verbally abusive to pretty much everyone he met. He cheated on his wife multiple times. He was a misogynist. And his publisher stopped at one point, stopped publishing his books due to his bullying. You know, even even with that whole anti-Semite thing, he is once quoted as saying by, by his wife, his uh, Miss Neal, uh, even a stinker like Hitler didn't pick on them for no reason when he was defending uh, things he said against the Jews. Well, Yikes. Jewish people, I shouldn't say the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. But he was a spy, an ace fighter pilot in World War II, right? Yes, he was. Yeah, and a piece of shit. So <laughs> yep, there's but, that. But turned out to be a piece of shit. So much so that his family apologized in 2020 about it, about his anti-Semitism, as well as, well, we'll we'll discuss that because we'll bring it up during the book. So his bio in the copy of the book of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that I have is not very extensive. 
It just says that Roald Dahl was a spy, ace fighter pilot, chocolate historian, and medical inventor. I have no idea what he invented. We might have to look that up. He invented something uh, to help with head injuries for uh, draining fluid from the face. I can't remember exactly what it was called. I'm sure it had a long, whimsical name. It did. <laughs> the 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 club stopper. <laughs> <laughs> the hemorrhagination <laughs> I don't know. It is <laughs> called the Wade Doll Till Valve, and it was a cerebral shunt used to drain excess fluid from the brain. Okay. So... As much as he was a piece of shit, he did save lives. He did fight against the Nazis in World War II. Uh, <laughs> At least he was on our side. <laughs> At least he was on our side, I guess. Um, he, he did write books that have been read for generations, you know, and I mean, we all have some tie, whether it be watching Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory when we were kids or reading the books you know, mm, James the Giant Peach, Matilda, BFG. He's got a lot of imaginative classics uh, that that we grew up with. We're going to look a little bit closely at it and kind of pick apart just a, exactly how much we should have taken from from these as we grew up. The first book I remember reading like at a, a, a level above where I was supposed to because I remember I was in second grade and we went to the library and it was it was on the shelf that was for fifth graders and I, but I saw the book, the twits and I just saw the the cover and I was like, I want to read that. And that was my first, you know, first rolled all book was the twits. I still yeah. remember it to this day because there are good lessons in it. Just, he didn't apply them to his own life. Why didn't he do that? <laughs> There's also a healthy amount of people hating and like hating of certain kinds of people. Yeah. Cause in the, for features. Yeah, right. and the twits, he hated them because they had beards. <laughs> and I have a magnificent beard. You do so. have a magnificent beard. And I have a beard as well. It is shorn down for the for the time being. I'm trying to make myself look neat. Well, you need to look neat for podcasting. I do need to look neat for podcasting. I mean, you can tell that I'm looking fine as hell. <laughs> Clearly, oh. this is a scenario... And we encounter this scenario over and over again, and it comes to a point where we have to ask a question, and it's, do you separate the art from the artist? And does the amount of time since this person's art was created come into play in that? You know, when R. Kelly, for instance, and all the terrible things he did, people were, oh, you can't listen to R. Kelly music, but R. Kelly music is more recent, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's something that would be played on the radio pretty regularly. But another one that comes to mind would be like Michael Jackson. You know, his music is still played on the on the radio, even though there's all kinds of accusations levied against him and mm -hmm. he's dead now. So, it, you know, at what point do you separate the art from the artist? And I don't know, though, because with Raul Dahl, if you really know these things about him and then read his stories, it changes your perspective on what he's saying in the stories. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a matter of time before cancel culture gets to uh, these books. <laughs> right. Maybe we <laughs> will invigorate Ooh. cancel culture yeah, come maybe, after them. Maybe we're the spearhead of the cancel culture movement <laughs> on this one. Because we've got something, I mean, I'm pretty sure 
that a lot of people are know what we're going to be getting at <laughs> as to why this should be looked at with a with a great deal of scrutiny. Absolutely. Oompa-loompas. I'm ge- it's Oompa-loompas. It's, it's yeah. Oompa-loompas. There's a pro- <laughs> there is a severe issue with the Oompa-loompas. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into the story. So this story begins with a couple of very old people laying in a bed. It's very interesting that it begins with... Uh, two non-important <laughs> people to the story. One of them's fairly important mm-hmm. to the story. Oh, yeah. yeah. One uh, Grandpa, Grandpa Joe. Joe. Yeah, Grandpa okay. Joe. Yeah, he's actually a main character in this story. And I, th- I think it's funny, like, uh, how imaginative. Uh, it's Grandpa Joe and Grandma Josephine. Uh, mm-hmm. They are the father and mother of Mr. Bucket. And then on the other side of this bed, this one bed that they're all laying in, there are two other old people who are the father and mother of Mrs. Bucket. And their names are Grandpa George and Grandma Georgina. So maybe not a literary genius here either. <laughs> <laughs> I guess these these people are just attracted to pe- other people whose name was very close to their own. <laughs> the uh, masculine and feminized <laughs> versions of the name. <laughs> That's right. I wonder if Mr. and Mrs. Bucket were named something very similar. Do we find out? I don't believe we find like, out their names. They're just Mr. and Mrs. I don't think that we do. Their name. Yep. Okay. It's probably like Andrew and Andrea Bucket. In any case, Mr. and Mrs. Bucket <laughs> have a small boy named Charlie. Charlie is the hero of this tale. And he will one day fall in love with a woman named Charlene. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Charlene or Charlize? Is Charlie Bucket married to Charlize Theron? I bet he took her name. Charlize Bucket. (laughs) You guys, Charlie can be anybody's name. I know know a girl named Charlie. I know a guy named Charlie. Oh, Charlie and Charlie. Yep. Could be just Charlie and Charlie. Charlie and the Charlie Factory. Charlie and the Charlie Factory. (laughs) So overall, there were six grown-ups in the house and uh, one child, and there was not a lot of money going around in this house. Uh, the house is small. It's only got one main bed, and that's where the grandparents lay because they're older. And then there's a mattress on the floor in the next room where Charlie and his parents sleep. I did find it funny at one point at the beginning when we're we're being introduced, they we are introduced to Charlie and it's a, and they break the fourth wall just this one time and, and they say, How do you do? And how do you do? And how do you do again? He's pleased to meet you. It's it was very <laughs> strange. Just like yeah. this one one yeah. little part in the story, just oh, let's break the fourth wall for no reason yeah. whatsoever. It's pretty charming, but it never comes back. Nope. It never comes back. <laughs> So clearly, in the in the summertime, the house wasn't so bad, but in the winter, it's awful, freezing and cold. Um, hey, I want to ask you guys something real quick. What's that? Which version of the book did you guys read? So I'm assuming that I read the revised version, revised after uh, the 1970s or in the middle yeah. of the 1970s. Who was the illustrator? Hmm. I don't My know. My illustrator was uh, Quentin Blake. Okay, I also had one, a recent publication illustrated by Quentin Blake. Okay, so we probably have the same one. And, yep, I got Quentin Blake as well. Okay, because Quentin Blake's illustrations are not the illustrations that I remember from when I read it as a kid. Um, I read an old version of it with 
illustrations by a dude named Joseph Schindelman. And I preferred Joseph's illustrations, even though like he drew like the old people incredibly cadaver-like. It was both <laughs> horrifying and detailed, but uh, I I thought the illustrations overall were way better than Quentin Blake's kind of haphazard doodles <laughs> that we have in our in our books here. Right. I feel like I could do this illustration pretty easily. In fact, mm-hmm. I think I could probably do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw that this dude won some awards for like, uh, well, not this book, but uh, like periodical uh, cartooning or whatever. But uh, I definitely preferred the older illustrations to uh, mm-hmm. to this one, even though everybody looked just grotesque and... <laughs> like fucking corpses. Maybe that was the enjoyable part. I mean, seriously, Maybe. as they describe them as the book goes on, these people aren't eating a lot of food. Uh, no. Yeah, they're poor. They're starving. Yeah. Dad works at a toothpaste factory. He screws caps onto toothpaste, um, which doesn't pay very well. But it should because all tubes of toothpaste need a cap. And that's a that's a job that someone would have to do all day long. How many tubes of toothpaste get out of there that he screwed caps onto? Yeah, he's not making enough money to afford more than cabbage. Come on, pay him what he's worth. Yeah, right. Colgate. No, they'll just develop a machine that'll be able to be way more efficient than a person doing it. <laughs> at some point, they will. Yeah, that happens in at least yeah. one of the movie uh, adaptations. Oh, that may have been the newer one, because I don't remember them talking that much about it in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. They're just like, yeah. these people are poor, and then immediately Charlie gets the ticket. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I think he does yeah. get uh, get mechanized out of his job in the uh, the Depp uh, movie. That mm. makes sense. We'll, we'll refer to him as Depp and Wilder. I Depp suppose. and Wilder, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So they basically – they eat cabbage and some other vegetable stuff and it, every day, day in, day out, breakfast, lunch, Just dinner. Watered down cabbage, vegetable soup. Veg, yeah, vegetable soup, maybe some bread in the morning, toast in the morning. But one thing that Charlie wants more than anything is chocolate. And I can agree with him on that. Uh, I'd love to have chocolate at any given time in fact i have chocolate sitting within five feet of me right now and i just want this podcast to be over so i can start eating it (laughs) so once a year his family can afford the 10 cents to buy him a chocolate bar and that is on his birthday he he even takes this chocolate and i mean to the point where when he unwraps it he doesn't just start gnawing it like anyone else would i mean it was painful for me to read how he eats it he nibbles a little bit every day i'm like dude no chocolate <laughs> bars chocolate last bar. a minute at most yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but see when i was a kid i w- i did that i would hoard my candy so that i could have it a long time i remember one time i saved a cadbury egg from Easter almost all the way to my birthday in August. That That's was a crazy. bad idea because yeah, no, <laughs> it did not last. No, candy goes bad. You got to eat it. Yeah, chocolate has a shelf life, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I know that now. I was a stupid kid. <laughs> I know that now. <laughs> yeah. Now I eat my candy. You know what's worse than all this? What's worse than all this is as much as he wants chocolate, as much as his family doesn't have the money for chocolate, in the town they live in, there is... An enormous chocolate factory, one of the biggest chocolate factories in the world. It's surrounded by huge iron gates. 
And twice a day, Charlie has to pass this chocolate factory on his way to and from school, which is just torturous. <laughs> Being able to smell that all the time. Oh, man. When you're living on cabbage. It's torturous now. I used When I lived in outside of Chicago, I would go down 294 and it went right next to the Nestle factory. They made Butterfingers and Baby Ruth. And so like on warm days when the wind was blowing right, you could smell it. Oh. It was so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you had the money to go out and buy whatever when you, yeah. when you wanted to. You could yeah, afford that's chocolate. True. I can afford chocolate. Yeah. Right. This family can't even afford a little bit of chocolate. Not even when it costs 10 cents. 10 cents. Oh, 10 cents. Crazy. So one thing he wanted to do more than anything was go inside this factory. Now, all of the old people in the house are over 90. And he loved to go and sit and talk with them. And they loved to talk to him. It was only Charlie walking in the room that gave these uh, grandparents happiness. Like they would sit up. They even though they were so old that they could not get out of the bed that they were in, they would see Charlie come in the room and immediately they'd have smiles on their faces and they'd be sitting up. You know, there is something to be said for how a kid can make you feel so happy to see him like it's it's hard to describe sometimes it's like their spirit travels from them into you and it uplifts mm -hmm. your spirit and makes you more happy and alive and vibrant so on on this evening in question uh charlie decides to ask his grandparents if mr wonka's factory is the biggest in the world and they are yeah it is definitely the biggest and he is the cleverest chocolate maker in the world and Grandpa Joe is a Willy Wonka aficionado, apparently. I was going to say, he's a Wonka head. Yeah, yeah. And so he just starts going on and on about how amazing he is. And they talk about how he just almost does magic with chocolate. He talks about how whether or not it's impossible, whether or not it's absurd, Wonka did it. Then they tell him about this uh, Indian prince that asked for a palace made out of chocolate. Prince Pondicherry is his name. <laughs> Pondicherry, yep. Pondicherry. And Wonka said he would do it for him, and he made it. It was dark and light chocolate, and he made this huge castle in India. And Wonka told him, you need to eat it really fast because it's not going to last. And Pondicherry said, nope. I'm keeping it. I'm not going to even nibble on it a little bit. And before you know it, there was a hot day and the whole place melted to the ground and he ended up being in a pool of hot chocolate. <laughs> but then the strangest thing about Wonka comes up and that's that no one ever goes in or out of Wonka's factory. Yet he produces more chocolate than anyone else in the world. How, how is that? Slaves. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. I, yeah, kind of cold there. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Sneezed. <laughs> mm. I mean, someone would have to live there, you would think. They would have to live there, sleep there, eat there, and never be able to leave. Uh, that's what it seems like. Yeah. And the story going around is that he one day asked all his workers to leave because he couldn't trust anybody because of spies stealing his recipes i have a few things to talk about with this uh so i found out that it was inspired by cadbury and roan trees in the 1920s 
They were England's two largest chocolate makers, and they literally would steal trade secrets from each other by sending spies into each other's factories. So it was based on fact. But in the 60s, when this was written, I'm pretty sure patents and NDAs were a thing. He wouldn't have had to do that. So he literally eliminated thousands of jobs in a factory because he was a greedy asshole and didn't want anybody else to get his secrets. <laughs> Maybe he just this didn't wasn't know the from legal. the 60s. Well, I'm just it, saying he's the, the It's published in 1964. Well, I'm just saying maybe the story isn't necessarily from the 60s. Hmm. Still could be eliminated thousands a, of jobs. It, right. He eliminated thousands of jobs. It's still a terrible thing because he was afraid of trade secrets being stolen instead of making people sign a paper that says, hey, you can't say anything about this. But he did have his non melting ice cream stolen. And he also had another candy stolen from him so and that adds credence to it but yeah it still is pretty convenient that he finds a, a labor force that he doesn't have to pay in money right right i mean that is pretty convenient <laughs> <laughs> so let's see here it was the ice cream that uh disappeared oh and these candy balloons you blow these balloons up and then they explode and then you eat the balloons i have no idea i uh, Maybe that's a candy that existed at one time. I've never personally seen it, <laughs> but I assume that most of these candies have some kind of real world uh, doppelganger, at least. Maybe. I mean, to, to roll Doll's credit, there is a lot of imaginative uh, stuff going on with uh, the whimsical creations that uh, that we experience. Absolutely. Th this has something to do with uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or, or this idea for Raul Dahl was actually inspired when he was a kid and he was at a boarding school and the boarding school allowed the kids to taste test these uh, chocolate bars and he absolutely loved chocolate bars. And so that was candy was a favorite of his. So which is interesting that Candy was such a favorite of his, and I, I have not seen a picture of Raul Dahl except for, like, head and shoulders, you know, because he uh, <laughs> hmm. he had some strange views on fat people. <laughs> he really did have some strong opinions about fat people. Yeah, yeah. Seems like this guy just had strong opinions about anyone who wasn't him. Yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> so, uh... The, the factory closed down for a little while, and then this is 10 years prior to the current story. The factory closed down for a while for months, and then all of a sudden one day it started back up again. And people noticed some small shadows in the windows, but nothing else. And since that day, no one's gone in or out of the factory. And it's at this moment that Mr. Bucket, Charlie's dad, comes into the house asking if they'd heard the news. Which they don't leave the house, so how are they going to hear any news? Right, or yeah. Really it's not like the house is going to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the one bringing the evening bulletin in. I mean, <laughs> wait a second. They don't have enough money to buy this kid some chocolate bars here and there, and they're only eating cabbage soup, but dad's out buying the newspaper on a regular basis. <laughs> I don't think he's buying it. I think he's getting it secondhand. Maybe he's getting it secondhand. That makes sense, I guess. Walking home uh, from work, he's get he gets the the uh you know the early edition that's laying around because somebody just 
didn't need it anymore. That was just what I was it assuming. Off a stack of paper, waiting for the paper boys to pick it up. Maybe he, yeah, maybe he's stealing it. Thief on top of everything else. You gotta hustle. <laughs> so uh, basically, what's happening is uh, Mr. Wonka has decided to open up his factory to five lucky children, and uh, these five children will be picked in a very fantastical way. He's putting a golden ticket inside five candy bars and then shipping them around the world at random. And this this ticket allows people, these five kids, to come in. They can bring an adult with them. and Up to two adults. One or two adults. Say the, you know, mother, father, or mother and father. Or another guardian, of, or to be said. So <clears throat> he's sending these out and everybody is going to be able to, these five kids are going to be able to come in. And of course, you know, at the end of the tour, they will get enough chocolate to last them for the for the rest of their life. And, you know, this fantastical thing, it's it's the lottery. It's and these people are extremely poor. You know, I once saw somebody say that one of the great things about the way we do our economy in America is that they have the chance to win the lottery, which is just such a. I don't have any money thing to say, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> you know, like, really? You could possibly win the lottery, less likely to get struck by lightning, but you could do it, you know? I mean, well, okay. Hey, I buy but my ticket. I buy my I, one ticket for that I dream. I buy my ticket, too, but... For that dream. You don't win if you don't play. The thing is, I'm not sitting here thinking that it's a possibility. I buy my ticket because it's... It, it's not improbable, you know, but it's <laughs> it's, it's very, very zero unlikely. Chance, right? It's very unlikely. But it's above zero, and that is all that it takes for me to have that awesome dream the night before. Mm. <laughs> right? Now, I, I'm wondering, how is he going to enforce that these tickets are going to be redeemed by children? Our own, like, I guess in this world, only children eat candy or buy candy or whatever. You don't have some sad 40 something fat dude <laughs> just buying up candy bars for himself like what if a, what if an adult tried to like found a ticket and tried to to cash it in well i mean i guess i think it's kind of one of those at that time i think it is less likely that adults were eating candy on any kind of regular basis yeah adults were more likely to eat like cakes or something like that back then i, I remember when i was in this is the best thing I could compare it to when I was in a uh, Deutsch class in high school, the teacher said that when he went over to Germany to study, he went into a restaurant and everybody around the table ordered beer. And then he ordered a glass of milk and every one of the people there teased him until he left Germany. Now, he didn't leave because they were teasing him, but they just constantly teased him because milk is for babies. If you are over 16 years old, you drink beer. You don't drink milk. You don't drink, you know, all these other things. You drink beer. And of course, this was probably the 70s or 80s when he had this experience. But but still, I think that it was probably more likely that kids are going to eat it than adults. But yeah, what if, a, what if it an adult finds it? Milk. Yeah. You don't drink the beer, you drink the milk, little baby American. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that is true, though. I mean, what if an adult finds it? But that doesn't happen, so. Luckily for the plot. <laughs> Luckily for <laughs> the plot, being it does fine. not happen. Well, I mean, one of the children gets the ticket found for her, but still. So very quickly, the first ticket is found. 
town it's found for by a kid named Augustus Gloop. Now, I think it's no coincidence that Roald Dahl writes Augustus Gloop as being the first one to find the ticket. Um, because when he describes Augustus Gloop, it's as an enormously fat <laughs> kid that looked as though he had been blown up with a powerful pump. Great flabby folds of fat bulged out from every part of his body, and his face was like a monstrous ball of dough with two small, greedy, caranty eyes peering out upon the world. Like, <laughs> oh, wow, I just want to punch him. I just want to punch him so much. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> like, man. Roll doll goes off on fat dudes. <laughs> his hobby is eating. Yeah. That's his hobby. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, his mom says she knew he was going to find it because he eats so many candy bars a day that it was almost impossible for him not to find one. <laughs> oh, and she says that it's be, it'd be better than him being a hooligan and off shooting zip guns. Okay. So I've heard zip guns before, but I wanted to look into them a little bit. Yeah. What's Z a zip gun? A zip gun is a gun that you make out of parts. Like I would take some kind of pipe and have it be the right size that I put a bullet into, and then I would make my own striker. So it's a homemade gun is what a zip okay. gun is. So that one scene in John Wick, he's making himself a zip gun out of other guns? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, that's a, that's he's putting together a real gun just using different parts to do it. A zip ah. gun would literally be like... You'd like use... a pop tart, you take a couple bites out of. Like... Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> like if you took a couple bites out of a pop tart, or if you folded up some paper in such a way. No, like you'd use a pipe and you'd make your own striker. I mean, it, it's all all homemade stuff, not a real gun at all. No real gun parts. Okay. And of course, so you know, Grandma Josephine's like, "What a revolting woman!" And Grandpa Jos Grandma Georgina's like, "What a repulsive boy!" And at least the the grandfathers are like, oh, you know, only four tickets left. Let's get off this whole talking awful about these people, I guess. Maybe they're a little bit more progressive. <laughs> so, so the whole world is now in a candy buying spree. They're just freaking out. Uh, children were taking hammers and smashing their piggy banks, which I, I've never had a piggy bank that didn't have a rubber stopper in the bottom I could open up to get my change out. <laughs> It's just a classic trope. I yeah. know, but like, is that trope, <laughs> is there a reason for that trope? I, I wonder, hmm. did did piggy banks not have holes in them? Was the intention that you kept filling it until you had to smash it? Or is it just like something that happened hmm. in Looney Tune cartoons? Interesting. Yeah. But anyways, people are going nuts. Yeah, I like that a uh, famous robber robbed a bank of a thousand pounds and spent the whole lot on Wonka bars that same afternoon. Why wouldn't you just steal the chocolate bars, idiot? Right, yeah. Just steal the Your, bars. They'd be less likely to come after you. Your version has it in pounds? Yeah. Yeah, mine has it in dollars. Five thousand dollars. Mine has it in dollars, too. Yep. Yeah, I have an English version, apparently. Roll Dallas Welsh, isn't he? Y yes. He's from oh. Wales. So it's even more Welsh. crazy. Yeah. Does this take place in America or so, in England? I think that it's left so ambiguous that it doesn't say where it takes place. Because I know that originally this book was like only published in America because English uh, pub uh, publishers, uh, they resisted publishing it for whatever reason. I'll have to look it up. But um, I guess there's different versions for Americanized mm -hmm. or, or anglicized versions. 
Well, it does say in, in Far Off Russia, a woman called Charlotte Ruse claimed to have found a ticket, but it turned out to be a fake. And then it says in England, the famous scientist Professor Fallbody invented a machine. So it's saying in England, I wouldn't assume that it was it mine would just say says, that because it was from England. Mine just says the famous English scientist, Professor Fallbody. Right. So yours Ooh. is for England and ours is probably the American version. That makes sense. I've bought a, quite a few English books before, so they probably think that I just want the English version. <laughs> that that, uh, that invention that he makes. Oh, it's so crazy. <laughs> so it reaches out and grabs anything gold, okay, which obviously he didn't think this through too much because a duchess walked by and had a gold filling in the back of her mouth, and it reached out and tried to rip the tooth out of her mouth before... Uh, all the people gathered around it and smashed the machine to bits. So it never actually found a golden ticket. <laughs> so at this point, we the second ticket is found. It is found by a small girl named Veruca Salt, who lived with her rich parents in a great city far away. Far away from where, though? <sighs> Just far away. It's far away. <laughs> I guess if it's the English version, it's America. If it's the American version, it's in England. Yep. There we go. And it might just be the uh, the girl from the the Wilder <laughs> movie with her English accent, but that's kind of how I imagine the Salts are being this stuffy English rich family. Yeah, that's how I see it. See, now this is probably one of the worst ones for me because it is that her father is rich and she is a spoiled little brat and she wants it. So her dad actually stops all the people that work in his peanut shelling factory and makes them instead shell chocolate bars for three straight days until they find her a ticket. Uh, yeah. That, hey. that ticket wasn't found fairly at all. <laughs> He's rich. He played the game. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, I guess. That is a legitimate gripe, though. Just like GameStop. <laughs> you got to play the game. Got to play the game. The line. Stonks. Stonks <laughs> to the moon. So this girl's pretty awful, though. I mean, she's just constantly screaming and whining. She wants, she wants, and then mom and dad just give whatever she wants anytime. So we, you yeah, know. I mean, no. The whole fat people is one thing, but like the spoiled rich, just buy your way into into whatever is a is a legitimate gripe. Right, I agree. I think that's why they have this person in it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, every, and every single one of these has a purpose. Um, you know, at least from Raul Dahl's perspective. I mean, the kid, the the first kid, his mom is basically letting him eat twenty chocolate bars a day. Now, come on, that's not good. It, you know, you should definitely be trying to teach your kids not to gorge so much that they become extremely unhealthy. And that's how I would put it as opposed to enormously fat. You know, right. it's yeah. not healthy for you. <laughs> it's one you. thing to criticize it's like unhealthiness. It's another to right. just point at the fat kid and laugh <laughs> or right. describe him as disgusting. And, and this little girl is extremely spoiled and her family's rich and they get whatever they want. Clearly, whatever they want, they get, you know, so mm -hmm. this girl's going to visit the factory and Charlie's just still dreaming. No, man, his birthday's coming up and it would just be so wonderful to find the golden ticket inside his one chocolate bar. I actually would like to try the chocolate bar that he got for his birthday, but of course it's fictional. It's Wonka's Whipple Scrumptious Fudge Mellow Delight. 
It what does do sound th- really good. What do you guys think it is it? It is. Well, it's obviously a fudgy chocolate with marshmallow mixed in is how I would think of it. But what about the Whipple? What do you think the Whipple is? Well, the Whipple's just from the whipping. Whipple's scrumptious. Yeah, it's like a whipped marshmallow filling covered with uh, like a fudge. I'm picturing like a chocolate bar with like marshmallow filling all covered in fudge. Yeah. So like an extreme version of Three Musketeers. Yeah, that's nougat though. Perhaps. Isn't it? Yeah, but that that marshmallow instead of- Like a mallow cup? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. So it'd be like a a mellow cup? Yeah, Yeah. only like a bar. Okay. Only in a bar form, yeah. Okay. Mm. And probably- That would be And probably better tasting. I think when we're done, I got to run to the 7-Eleven and get a- a (laughs) Get some mellow cups. Get some mellow cups. I haven't had any in a couple of years. Melt some fudge over it. Mm -hmm. Ooh, yeah. Well, so he gets this candy bar, and of course, he's worried he wants it to have a golden ticket in. And all his parents and grandparents are all trying to tell him, like, you know, just be happy that it's candy bar, and, you know, it's really unlikely, and blah, blah, blah. But you even really they can't expect are to be nervous. as lucky as all that. Yeah, yeah. Even they're nervous. They're, they're like, ooh, it could be. It has just as much <laughs> a chance as any other fudge bar. And just that lottery mentality. Mm hmm. Unfortunately, there is no ticket inside this candy bar. Charlie is a loser. End of story. Yep. And that's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, everybody. I hope you enjoyed. Um, Oh, wait. There's another page. (laughs) Moral of the story is you never get what you deserve. You never get what you deserve or want. Moral of the story, be born rich if you want to win. Yep. <laughs> yep. Horrible people will succeed and deserving people will be trod upon and not catch a break. Andy, that's real life, not the story. <laughs> oh, right. We're talking about a fantasy book. Yeah. Yes. There's, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's like 32 more chapters here. <laughs> <laughs> so even then, though, Charlie, like, I got to give it up for this kid. He's he's a sweet little kid. He... He sees that he doesn't have the golden ticket, and instead of being upset or pissed off or down about it, he instead starts trying to offer a bite to each other person in the family, and everyone turns it down. They all turn him down, and they're like, no, this is your chocolate. You eat it. But he is still, though, he he tried to share it with everybody, and I thought that was really sweet of him to do that. Speaks to his character. Yeah, yeah he's a very kind as a, boy. As a good-hearted kid. Oh, but then his parents, it's even worse, though, because they gave him this before school and they're like, you got to go to school. So not only do you not get the golden ticket and then everybody turns down his <laughs> kindness of trying to give him candy. Now, now his he ass has to go, go to school. school on his birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun walking past Wonka's factory, you little bastard. <laughs> so, Although that day that you go to school and it's actually your birthday, it's kind of a it can be a, a special day for you. It can be. Can sometimes be if, it's if things not. go right. But, it, <laughs> but things don't always go right. Nope. Especially not for old Charlie Bucket. I have a summer birthday, so I never had to worry about it. Yeah, mine was very close to the end of the school year. Mine was right at the beginning of the school year. Anyways, two more tickets get found. Yep, two more tickets got found. The first one touches on another of Roald Dahl's pet peeves, apparently. <laughs> A gum-chewing world record holder named Violet Beauregard, who does not shut the fuck up. Well, no, she's always chewing. And yeah, she does talk a lot as well. Always blabbing. I I feel like the gum-chewing is just a metaphor for his misogyny, saying women talk too much. (laughs) I really think that's what it is. That's a take. That's a take. That that didn't didn't occur to me. 
Yeah, very well could be. It seems to me that she chews and talks too much. <laughs> yeah, I think Roald Dahl just had a thing against gum chewers. Just uh, saw it as a nasty habit to have. I mean, it's a pretty popular pet peeve of uh, um, of adults, I guess, in our day. Like, we weren't allowed to chew gum in class or school at all. Of course, you know, we do terrible things with our gum when we're done with it. <laughs> That's what I always <laughs> thought the bigger problem was. I didn't think it was so much was about the problem. chewing gum. I thought it was about the sticking the gum under the desk. Yeah. yeah, where the gum ends up. It always came across as like a bigger issue than it needed to be. For sure. But it may have also just been a result of how, how often they had to enforce it because kids like gum. I do like uh, the way that she talks about her mom <laughs> when she's she tells her mom, uh, she says, and who's she to criticize anyway? Because if you ask me, I'd say her jaws are going up and down almost as much as mine are just from yelling at me every minute of the day. <laughs> it's like, dang, that's a good one. <laughs> She's been chewing the piece of gum for three months solid, though, the piece she has right now. That's so gross. Ugh. <laughs> and then when she goes to sleep and then she just sticks on her bedpost or when she has to eat, she sticks it behind her ear. Why would you do that? It's so stupid to put it behind your ear. You have hair. It's so close to your hair. (laughs) Idiots. Gosh. I'm sorry. It's just, I'm like, why would you put it behind your ear? It's so stupid. But then again, Grandma Georgina did say, she'll come to a sticky end one day chewing all that gum. You see if she doesn't. <laughs> yeah, Grandma Georgina kind of did sound like a witch in my head a little bit. All she does is make fun of the people, so <laughs> that's her role. She's the mean grandma. That's who she is. She's the Greek. She's the mean one. The bitter old lady. Beauregard did have a pretty disgusting habit. Uh, prior to keeping this piece of gum for three months, she would change her gum out in the elevator every day after school. And the reason oh, she did yeah. that was because she would take out her old piece of gum and put it on a one of the elevator buttons so that someone would have to peel it off. <laughs> yeah, we had to. Roald Dahl had to make her a uh, an unredeemable figure for sure have her do something nasty and and terrible like that and then the fourth golden ticket was found by a person whose name is right on the nose mike tv and wouldn't you know it he likes to watch tv you guys he is what my dad would have called a vidiot (laughs) he sits in front of the idiot box all day and he likes to watch gangster movies and probably a lot of cowboy shows and he's got dozens of guns strapped to him at all times (laughs) just all kinds of toy guns everywhere (laughs) no less than 18 toy pistols of various sizes hanging from belts around his body (laughs) the quentin blake doodles always have just like a scribbled cacophony of of weapons in place of mike tv's torso for every time he pops up in here Now, Grandma Georgina says that the last ticket will go to some nasty little beast who doesn't deserve it. Oh, will she eat her fucking words at some point here? (laughs) Grandpa Joe saved a little bit of money, approximately a 10 cents. I found it in the mattress. (laughs) I found it in the mattress when I was... Digging between my toes. (laughs) 
So Grandpa Joe ends up giving Charlie a dime to run down to the store and buy a candy bar. Um, Charlie gets Wonka's nutty crunch surprise and he actually wants Grandpa Joe to open it up. And they're both so nervous when they're trying to open it and they tear it apart little by little until finally they get it open. And of course they find out that there is no, there's no golden ticket in this one either. And they start laughing, you know, because even though their life fucking sucks balls, they are still able to find a little bit of humor in the shitty stuff that happens to them <laughs> somehow or another aren't we all isn't it just funny sometimes how much it sucks <laughs> yeah but they still get the chocolate that's the thing these guys yeah. are obsessed with chocolate like charlie and grandpa joe are just chocolate fiends especially Gramp- in wonka heads so right. grandpa joe's yeah. got like a wonka diary under his pillow too right over so that next to that just- time yeah, he just he he just he enjoys the candy. He's like, "Hey, I've been saving this. This is the one thing I can think of that I want to spend before I die yep. is on this chocolate." So, you know what? Let's try it. And if if we don't get it, we'll get chocolate. And yep. you know, and that's what happens. So, and he actually got to eat some. Yeah. I think in at least one of the movies, it's uh it's written as Grandpa Joe used to work for Wonka. That's definitely the uh, Johnny Depp one. Definitely the Johnny Depp one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It wasn't in the original. No, I've seen Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory enough times to know that's not the case at all. They okay. didn't really dive too much into the Bucket family in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. No, they didn't. I'd like to take a look at those those movies again because we never we didn't watch it before. All we did was read the book for this yeah. uh, this episode. We didn't watch it in any of the movies or anything. I mean, I watched a clip, but you watched a clip. I watched a clip of Mike TV because now he's a um, now he's a video game addict instead of a TV addict. Mm-hmm. And the way that he found the Wonka bar is by being basically being smart about things. He was like, "Yeah, you just figured out. I figured out when the tickets were sent out, what day, and then I tracked the shipments." And, you know, oh based God. on weather and all this, he's like, so I only had to buy one chocolate bar because I knew exactly which one had what. And then they were like, well, what did you think? He's like, I didn't eat it. I hate chocolate. And I was just like, oh, well, there goes the point of the movie. I mean, it's very spot on, like a modern telling of this this story. One of the kids would definitely be like a fucking Twitch streamer. Or right, right. For sure. Some, some Fortnite kid. Some, some person awful, on TikTok's like, Fortnite I kids. just bought $10,000 worth of Wonka some, bars and I'm going to open them now. Yeah, some YouTuber just <laughs> buying up all the all the Wonka bars. I wonder what the Oompa Loompas would sing about that kid. Yeah, I don't know. Oompa Loompa, like and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the, basically the whole thing about golden tickets, you know, this fifth golden ticket hasn't been found. The excitement goes away. People aren't really thinking about it anymore. And especially the buckets because it's gotten cold. It's snowing out. There's feet of snow outside. Um, and the father, Mr. Bucket, has lost his job at the toothpaste factory. And in this telling, the toothpaste factory actually goes belly up. That's how it is he in tried to yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm comparing that to like the the more recent movie where he got replaced by mechanization. Mm, um, okay. But in this story, he it just because the toothpaste factory goes belly up, 
He tries to find a job, but he can't. So he ends up just shoveling snow in the streets to get some food. But it's like a quarter of the food that they were getting before. And that's just not enough. So basically, the whole family at this point is beginning to starve. I'm confused by this. I, I This magical land that they live in, it's it's crazy because they have amazing cho- these amazing chocolate factories and things like that, but they don't have unemployment. Right. I mean, that's why it's there. <laughs> it's been in the UK since 1911. It's been in the United States since the early 1900s, I believe. Hmm. So... Well, I would imagine that Rawl Dahl was the type of person that didn't like people that went on unemployment. So... <laughs> <laughs> right. You starve like an honest person. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that he liked that either. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. <laughs> the man seemed to be uh, just not really like anything for somebody who wrote so many wonderful stories. <laughs> so <laughs> This is true. How dare you be poor? <laughs> right. It's, that's what you get for being poor. This goes on for a while until uh, one day as Charlie's starving on his way home. He notices something green on the road, and he uh, reaches down, he picks it up, and what is it? It is a dollar, and not just part of a dollar, it's a whole dollar. And he looks around, and he doesn't see anybody looking for a dollar. He doesn't see anybody freaking out. People are just walking around. So he decides that it's his. And, you know, he his first thought is he can take this dollar home, and they can buy food with it. Um, but then he's like, wait a second, I can go get myself a chocolate bar. So he decides, you know, I mean, I can take 90 cents back home and I'm still bringing home more than dad, the bum, you know. So <laughs> so he goes and uh, goes into the store that's right right there on the road and he orders the same candy bar he got on his birthday. The Whipple Scrumptious Fudge Mellow Delight. And then Roald Dahl describes another fat fuck. Yeah, the fat guy behind it. Yeah, yo, geez, oh, Pete's. The man behind the counter looked fat and very well fed. He had big lips and fat cheeks and a very fat neck. The fat around his neck bulged all around the top of his collar like a rubber ring. He's <laughs> like, there God, is no dude. reason to describe this person <laughs> in such a way. It has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, like, why is he going on so much? I feel feel like both of these people are people he actually saw <laughs> like the day he was writing like i got an idea for a kid and then he went to his store and bought something he's like you see that guy with a fat rubber ring around his neck his wife's like jesus yes i saw him calm down if he had to buy him a bra he'd be a size d in man tits <laughs> god damn so, all right Take it easy, Rolt. I wonder if it was somebody who wronged him in the past. Oh, God. He must have gotten bullied by a fat kid. Maybe. Maybe. That could be it. Now, have you guys ever found money on the ground? I have. And just went and Uh bought candy with it? Not just went and bought candy. I mean, I I put it in my wallet and used it when I needed to pay for something. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. no. I think he's talking about as a kid. As a kid. Oh, as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's my, a sp- I have a specific memory when I was. I can tell. What about you? Do you have it? No, anybody- go ahead. Go ahead. Tell your memory first okay. and then I will tell so, mine. So we used to go camping at this place called the Woodlands every year on Labor Day. And one year we were up and everybody was playing cards, but I was a kid, so I wasn't allowed. But I was just like kind of crawling around the floor and I found, I believe, a $5 bill. 
and I was trying to be, I tried to do the right thing. I remember trying to ask people if it was their money and saying, hey, I found this money, is it yours? Hey, I found this money, is it yours? Everyone wasn't paying attention to me because I was a kid. So I was all clear in my mind. So I was like, hey, I got money. I'm going to go and get candy. And yeah, I blew it all on candy at this <laughs> candy stand. <laughs> and I'm coming walking back with all this candy. My mom's like, where did you get all that? I'm like, I found $5. <laughs> yeah, it turned out my mom had to go find out whose $5 it was and give them $5 because I apparently stole <laughs> oh, it, even no. though I found it on the ground. So uh, <laughs> Stealing would have been actually going and taking it from somebody. Yeah, this is found money. That's what yeah. I thought. And you Thank, you. Right Thank thing, you for justifying you me 30 oh years after the fact. Right. Josh's mom, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Pretty sure she's not, can... but. All right, then I can use even harsher language. <laughs> <laughs> mom, I love you if you're I'm listening. Not... <laughs> <laughs> we love you too. We're just, we're just joking. They're just, just joshing you, mom. They're just ah! joshing you. <laughs> It's okay. It's my, I'm my, it's my name. I can use it. <laughs> you got joshed. All right, Harold, what's your story? So my brother and I were walking uh, down Grand River in Howell one time, and I was actually going to the Burger King, and I was going to try and get a job. I was probably like 14 or something at the time. And as we're walking down there, uh, I look down on the ground, and I find a $20 bill under the bridge. Uh, nice. And I'm like... Whoa. So we grabbed the $20 bill. I immediately forgot about going to get a job because I had $20 now. <laughs> and we went straight this back. This is my job now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there was a big lots uh, near our house. So we went straight to the big lots and spent the whole $20 on. We bought some candy and we bought a couple kites. And then we spent that whole day eating candy with my little sister and flying kites. And it was a blast. <laughs> I still like kites. <laughs> I think we flew kites last time I was at your house. <laughs> you we probably did. Kites Pretty are sure fun. We did. Yeah, kites they are, are fun. fun. <laughs> All right. Anyways. Yeah. So Charlie gets this candy bar. He rips off the wrapper and just starts gobbling it up. Obviously, there was no golden ticket in there. He didn't even really think about it. He just ripped it off, started eating the the candy. It didn't didn't even look for it. And uh, the the clerk's telling him to slow down. You're going to get a gut ache, gut ache if you eat it too fast. And he doesn't even listen. He just less than half a minute. He eats the whole thing. He decides time to go and he reaches up to grab the 90 cents. And he thinks, I mean, what would it be to grab one more candy bar, you know, for the road? Why not? So the and of course, this is why not the fat shopkeeper said like, why? Why? Why not? The fat shopkeeper said, so, like, I cannot stress enough how fat this person is. My goodness, Raldo. He used his so, sausage like fingers to yeah. slather up the, <laughs> the chocolate from the shelf. <laughs> As he wiped the slavering drool from his chin. Yeah. Even his hair was fat. He thumped it upon the counter with his fat jowls jiggling. Yeah, like, my God, he, man. He bent down to pick up the chocolate bar and groaned and strained under the effort of getting around his massive gut. The groan was similar to the groan of the floorboards trying to hold this fat man up. Like, my God, dude. So, so 
Charlie opens the second chocolate, and what's this? Oh. There appears to be a brilliant flash of gold under this wrapper. And it is. It's the golden ticket. And the, the shopkeeper screams it out. And even here, I mean, it was such a nice moment that he just is called the shopkeeper this time. <laughs> In fact, he All even, mentions of his fatness just fade away. He that even was able to leap a foot in the air. So, <laughs> Well, once you got the momentum going that one direction, you just got right. That's why I got so high. <laughs> but this is the last ticket and everybody in the shop is just running over and they're all excited and they get all surrounding them and, and Charlie's just like he's stunned he's in shock at this moment and all these people are just like oh I'd like to know how he got it I've been eating 20 chocolate bars a day one kid says and uh, they're all they're all surrounding them and Finally, a man puts his hands on his shoulders, uh, which is creeper alert, creeper alert, <laughs> and tells him <laughs> that he'll give him $50 for the ticket and he'll buy him a bicycle. And then some lady says, you're crazy. I'll give him $500 and I'll, I'll and that's what he wants, $500. And then for a ticket now, that entitles you to a lifetime supply of chocolate. Right, right. Worth way more than that. Way more. So then uh, the shopkeeper yells <laughs> he's out to being the fat shopkeeper. Cool. <laughs> and it's funny, as soon as he's defending this kid, he's actually doing some good. Now he's the fat shopkeeper again. I mean, my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he tells him to leave the kid alone. And he comes up and he says to Charlie, you need to, you need, I, he had a feeling he needed a break like this, and he tells him, you need to go run as fast as you can, get home as fast as you can, don't stop, don't listen to anybody. And so he does. He runs home. Luckily, he has those calories from those chocolate bars he just ate. Otherwise, you're <laughs> yeah, not in right. trouble. Yep. Pass out on the way back. So he runs in. He starts telling his story like no doubt any kid would, and we'd all be sitting there going, Wait, slow down. What are you talking about? And he's like, I got it. I got the ticket. I got the ticket. You know, I, I found some money. I bought some candy bars. I, I won the ticket, you know. And everybody just staring at this ticket, and they're like, no, it can't possibly be it. And Grandpa Joe is like, you're just joking. You're pulling our leg. And he's like, I'm not. And they start looking at this ticket, and then they start realizing, holy shit, it is the ticket. And Grandpa Joe all of a sudden has all kinds of power and energy and he's able to jump up and actually look at this ticket and everything and he's screaming and yelling and <laughs> dancing and uh, you know Wonka's ticket gave him power he jumped up and his uh his wife his his wife's soup went right to her face oh yeah soup <laughs> in the face yes yeah. grandma his long bony body rose up out of bed and his bowl of soup went flying into the face of grandma Josephine <laughs> <laughs> scalding her to death <laughs> oh man <laughs> And now that he's got all this energy, he can find a younger wife because that's what Raul Dahl <laughs> right? would want for him. <laughs> she's a she. He can get himself a golden ticket digger. Yep, a golden ticket digger. <laughs> so everybody's in now. Dad's in there. He's seeing the ticket. Everybody's freaking out. Uh, they read the ticket. And this ticket tells them that uh, they are going to be able to come to the factory. They will be escorted around by Willy Wonka himself. And then when they're done, they will actually be given a lifetime supply of chocolate that will be delivered by truck. And if they run out of chocolate, they will get more chocolate. 
Uh, they find out that the day that was chosen is the first day in the month of February, and they must be there at 10 o'clock sharp in the morning. And they could bring one or two members of their own family just to look after them and to make sure they don't get into mischief. And they have to have the ticket with them. And this is pretty amazing because it is January 30th. So Yep, this is all happening the very next day. Yep. So Wonka almost had four kids to show around the factory instead of five. But luckily, Charlie found a dollar in the road. You think Wonka left the dollar? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. I one one wonders whether Charlie was chosen on purpose, but that sounds like a really big stretch. Like a lot of a lot of things would have have to happen. Maybe Willy Wonka was dressed up as the fat shopkeeper. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe it's Willy Wonka in a fat suit. (laughs) Story just got more interesting. (laughs) So they end up deciding that Grandpa Joe is going to go with him to the factory. And Grandpa Joe is like, I can do it. Now, this 96-year-old man, he's the oldest of of the grandparents. He's 96 and a half. He's been laying in a bed for 20 years. And all of a sudden, he's got enough energy to take this kid and watch him at the factory, which I found to be interesting. Like, uh, I don't know how he suddenly got all this ability, but okay, he can. I like how Grandpa Joe uh, celebrated. He sounded like somebody else that we uh, we met because he said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. (laughs) Just like somebody else we met in another story. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I like callbacks. Sorry, guys. It's like one of my favorite things. (laughs) Callbacks are nice. But I think Grandpa Joe is super excited because to me, it's like it's this guy's lifelong dream is to go to the Wonka factory. Like he is obsessed with this. So he Mm -hmm. I think he's more excited. Also wanted to correct you. uh, There are 31 days in January, not 30. So just letting you know. I don't know. 31 just seems like it makes January a really fat month with big rolling jowls around its neck. (laughs) I prefer 30. (laughs) I like months with only 30 days. Right. Slimmer. I find it interesting that uh, the kids are allowed to bring parents along with them to keep them out of mischief when Willy Wonka's plan kind of hinges on the kids getting into mischief i don't know that it is his plan for them to get into mischief though his plan is to find somebody that is worthy of running his factory so he would almost probably hope that the kids don't get into mischief but he's not going to stop them himself he doesn't step in to stop the kids at any point. He leaves that to the parents. So realistically, he's not just testing the kids. He's testing the kids and their parents. Mm. I don't know. We'll get to this when we get to the conclusion of it. But uh, yeah, I've got I've got questions about what exactly <laughs> Willy Wonka's plan is here. Right. <laughs> well, the morning of the big day was a bright, sunny day. It was cold, but sunny, and everybody was waiting outside Wonka's gates. They, Everybody's gathered around. Yep. All the kids are, at, by this point, celebrities. They're all pointing out the different kids gathered there. Hey, look at that big fat guy. He's <laughs> <laughs> He's enormous. He's big as a whale. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I bet yeah. if he tossed a chocolate bar up and float around him in an orbit. <laughs> there's even there's even people in the crowd who keep commenting on how big this kid is. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Can't leave the fat people alone. No, it's awful. <laughs> and they they even tease Charlie too for being skinny and raggedy and poor. Yeah, yeah. Who's the big fat boy? That's Augustus Gloop. So it is. Enormous, isn't he? <laughs> like, man. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah. Pretty sure he hates fat people. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. He did say he'd rather be dead than fat. So <laughs> first date. <laughs> to his, yeah, to his future wife on their first date. Yep. So so they're all going on and the you know they're talking about the kids or the whole crowd is going on they're kind of reminding us who these people are and uh as if we didn't just read the last 20 pages it's it, uh all of a sudden uh Mr. Wonka shows up he's just inside the gates of the factory the gates have opened up and there he stands he had on a black top hat a tail coat that was plum colored velvet bottle green trousers and pearly gray gloves now this is definitely the outfit that he wore in the newer version but for some reason in my mind's eye it's not exactly because i feel like the plum color hat was gene wilder had a plum colored hat on i don't feel like he had a black hat on did he mm. i'd have to go back know. it's and been a while re-look. yeah we'll, we'll have to watch it but he also had a pointed black beard, which I know that Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka. Yeah, I was going to say a goatee, which yep. yeah, I don't think either of them had a goatee. I'm pretty sure G- that the oh maybe yeah, not. they were both clean shaven. Yeah. Okay. What's the problem with goatees? Now, yeah, Willy Gene Wonka Wilder's is- Willy Wonka had sort of a brownish orange hat. Okay. With a, with a plum colored coat. In any case, uh, Willy Wonka is clearly a meth addict. He keeps on having jerky movements with his head. He's like jerking this way and that. And his eyes are all bright and twinkly. Um, He was moving around like a squirrel from the park. So, yeah, I've heard that description before. (laughs) It's like when you see Hitler in that uh, at the Olympics, just grinding his teeth and going back and forth because he's on meth. Yeah, that's that's exactly what's going on, I think. Or giving a speech. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe people listened to him and were like, you know what? That's a guy I want to follow. <laughs> Just, wow. It's sugar. It's, it's, it's all the sugar. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's all he eats is sugar. Just pixie sticks. Just <laughs> snorting pixie sticks. <laughs> so he asks everybody to show their golden tickets. And he shakes their hands uh, very very crazily like way up and down too much almost trying to pull their arm out of the socket it seems mm-hmm. he meets does all not these kids say anything about augustus gloop size he doesn't <laughs> no just the big fat boy stepped up <laughs> no i mean that's the narrator voice but uh willy wonka doesn't say anything about how big this kid is not at all he says overjoyed to have you with us overjoyed i guess yep. that's the only only thing <laughs> <laughs> Step through the gates if you can, fatty. Yeah. <laughs> Overweight. I mean, overjoyed to have you with us. And then so we he... meet Veruca Salt. Oh, my dear Veruca. How do you do? What a pleasure it is. Don't you have an interesting name? I always thought Veruca was a sort of wart that you got on the sole of your foot. Looked it up. Uh, that's just another name for a planner's wart. Veruca is another name for a planner's wart. Oh, <laughs> wow. <definitely> is. <laughs> yep. I did not know that. 
And side note, later on in, in the story, we find out her mom's name is Angina, which is a heart condition that <laughs> 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 you get for having a lack of oxygen in your, in your blood. Nice. Strange family. <laughs> Strange. So all the kids come up, uh, Violet, Mike TV, Charlie. And Charlie, he's pretty excited to see because he knows he just won it, won his ticket yesterday. And he sees everybody's there. There's five of them. He's like, well, let's get going. We got to move uh, all through this. He wants to go, go, go. We need to get moving. We got there's a lot of lot to see and not a lot of time to see it. Again, meth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> He's definitely on some sort of uppers. Yep. So he tells them they keep it nice and warm inside the factory for his workers. Workers like it. They come from an extremely hot climate. Hint. Um, yep. They they just can't stand the cold. They'd perish if they went outdoors in this weather. And Augustus Gloop asks who the workers are, and he says, "All in good time, my dear boy." And you know, they leads them along. <laughs> Let's uh, let's get away from the uh, the cameras and the microphones. And yeah, we don't want anybody else to know. <laughs> and <about> the press. <laughs> so there were all kinds of great smells in there: uh, roasting coffee, burnt sugar, melting chocolate, mint and violets, and crushed hazelnuts and apple blossom and caramel and lemon peel. And they could hear the the roar of energy that was coming from some big machine inside. Uh, so as far as an author. That you know, this is very, very good imagery. That yeah, that, it is because you can smell, you can smell that, you can smell all those different smells. You can hear that that giant machine from far away doing what it needs to do. So obviously, we like this as children for a reason. It's it's an, it's very enrapturing. You know, it grabs you. It's mm-hmm. a good story. <laughs> it's like visiting a theme park. Yeah, and this comes to the whole idea of do you separate the art from the artist? I mean, this is a good story other than all the fat shaming and the, you know, <laughs> slavery, uh, slavery. Yeah, <laughs> other than the fat shaming and the slavery, it's a really good, wholesome story. <laughs> Never thought I'd say that sentence, but So they go down some crazy corridor. They have to go left, right, left, right, left, right. And it keeps getting narrower and smaller. I wanted to ask you guys, how was it it described? Because in my book, it was described like a gigantic rap warren with passages leading this way and that in every direction. Which, you know, a warren. Rabbit. Rabbit warren. Yeah. Yeah. Rabbit warren. Yeah. You have the same thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I didn't know if he would have used another one. I was thinking that he might have, they might have changed that for the English version and the United States version. No, I assume that's a rabbit, like, house hole. I oh, don't it's know a where. network of interconnecting rabbit burrows. Mm, I might want to build one of those in my yard. <laughs> a, a warren? <laughs> yeah, a nice little rabbit warren for my family and I to run around in. Yeah, you find <laughs> yourself a nice little piece of it and... You set up shop there in your little Warren piece. Start <laughs> start making candy. Start making candy. <laughs> or writing novels. Yeah, or one or the other. <laughs> in, in the in the Warren piece. Anyways, <laughs> they go around and around and down and down until they get to a big old door that says in large letters, the chocolate room. Well, he also explains, though, that the factory is basically just this spot that everyone can see, but the real work happens underground because he can make a huge, he can use all the space he wants underground and it doesn't bother anybody. 
And he doesn't have to buy all the zoning and right <laughs> all the uh, the real estate. Yep. If he bur- if he uh, burrows deep enough, he can he has all the space that he wants, like a smart billionaire, <laughs> like Elon Musk. Like yeah, Elon Musk isn't must he have building a, tubes a Warren all over the place headquarters? I think it's more like Elon Musk rat because it's in a burrow under the ground. <laughs> <laughs> if you dig deep enough, slavery is legal. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like international waters. <laughs> the United States can't touch me down here. <laughs> Not in the land of the mole people. <laughs> Those surface dwellers won't stop me from owning slaves. (laughs) So they walk into this room, the chocolate room, and it's it's like a field with a river running through it. And he lets them know that everything is edible in here. And they notice that the water is brown and the brown water is actually chocolate, hot chocolate flowing down. The the grass is made of some kind of sugar that they can eat. Yeah. Uh, The buttercups are certain flavors and uh, everything's chocolate. Chocolate or candy of some kind. And there are big tubes at after the waterfall. There are these big tubes that are sucking up the chocolate at a huge rate of speed. And Wonka goes on to tell them that the the waterfall is the most important part because it's the only chocolate in the world that's mixed by waterfall. It's the only way to do it properly. You guys. Duh. And do you like my trees and my lovely bushes? (laughs) Do you like my shrubbery? (laughs) I I like all this because he's just kind of manically saying, hey, do you like this? Isn't it pretty? Doesn't this look nice? I hate ugliness. Of of course, they're all eatable. Do you like this? All the grass you're standing on is (laughs) new soft minty sugar I've just invented. But he's just getting all crazy about their approval of his beautiful edible room. (laughs) It's got this manic energy just emanating from him. And then all of a sudden, Veruca screams. But it's not like a freaked out scream. It's like an overjoyed scream. And she's pointing across the river. And what does she see over there? It's it's a little, a little person, a little man just below the waterfall. Everybody stops and looks and they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, there there is someone over there. And then there was another one over there. And then there were three and four and five. And they're like, where are they coming from? What are they doing? Everybody ran over to look. These people were no higher than your knee. They had funny long hair. The tiny men were no longer than medi- larger than medium-sized dolls. And they stopped what they're doing. They're staring back at the visitors. One of them pointed at the children and whispered something to the other four, and they all laughed. And there's some question as to whether or not they're real people. And Mr. Wonka says, yeah, they're real people. They're Oompa Loompas. And Oompa Loompas, everybody said. And Mr. Wonka says, yeah, I got them from Loompa Land. And ordered direct. He ordered direct. And Mrs. Salt is like, I teach geography. (laughs) And he says, oh, well, you know all about it then. It's a terrible country. Yeah, so this is where we start uh, trying to apologize for what he has done here. Oh, it's a terrible country. Just thick jungles and dangerous beasts. and the <laughs> We horn- saved them from yep. a savagery, yep. an existence of savagery. <laughs> Yay, colonialism! And non-existent creatures like hornswogglers and snozwangers and then wangdoodles. <laughs> And uh, basically, he's saying that they these poor Oompa Loompas, they were just getting eaten all the time. They lived in tree houses, and they couldn't eat anything but these green caterpillars. 
And the green caterpillars tasted terrible, but the one thing that they liked the most is cacao beans. And I don't know if they have described the way they look yet, but they describe these people as having rosy white skin and brown hair. And they dress in like deer skins and, you know, they're very much a tribal people. Um, But that's not how they always were, is it? Oh, goodness, no. No. What What was the original description of Oompa Loompas from Roald Dahl's original book? Well, I read in an article that in the first version, in the version first published, the Oompa Loompas were a tribe of 3,000 black pygmies who had been imported by Mr. Willy Wonka from the very deepest and darkest part of the African jungle where no white man had been before. Hmm. What? Well, he imported them. How? Using boxes with air holes cut in them. Oh, well, at least there were <laughs> air holes. <laughs> now, actually, he he brought them here the same way in this one. And in fact, the only thing they really changed was where the Oompa Loompas came from and what the Oompa Loompas looked like. Otherwise, Oompa Loompas were a small tribal people that were brought back to the country in crates with holes cut in them, snuck in, by the way. Um, Roald Dahl states at some point, uh, you know, to some extent, like he was definitely all about British imperialism. And um, he, they, Willy Wonka pays them with cacao beans, Cause he's got so many, so many that it doesn't matter. You know I mean? Like you can eat these just to, uh, I'll just pay your wages in those cacao beans instead of, you know, any actual wage or truly trying to give you a better life. No, you can live in my factory. I will run horrendous <laughs> tests on you. You will work to the bone and you can eat as many of these beans as you want. <laughs> and the agreement was done by making a pact with the tribal leader and everyone in the tribe went along with it. Yep. Yeah, because they spoke the same language. Sure. <laughs> Here, I'll write up this contract. I just need you to sign. You don't actually have to sign. Just put a little mark there. Oh, there you go. All right. Deal done. We're good. Well, they speak English now, and they actually like to sing a lot. They're pretty mischievous. Mischievous. And mischievous. Mischievous, yeah. <laughs> they like jokes. <laughs> Uh, but so, they- yeah, uh, another note about the Oompa Loompas. Um, from, the first pu- fr- from the start, from the first publications, they were described as African pygmies, and the illustrations showed them as dark people, mm-hmm. looked, like, looked like black people. And after they announced that the film was going to be made, the NAACP actually approached uh, Roald Dahl and said, hey, this looks like fucking slavery. <laughs> and Roald Dahl actually sympathized with their concerns and revised his novel to change the uh, <clears throat> African pygmies to rosy white small people from Lumpa land and not from the deep jungles of Africa. Yeah, I have his. I have the quote. The well, exact at least quote, there's that. The exact quote is, I created a group of little fantasy creatures. I saw them as charming creatures, whereas the white kids in the books were most unpleasant. 
It didn't occur to me that my depiction of the Oompa Loompas was racist, but it did occur to the NAACP and others. After listening to the criticisms, I found myself sympathizing with them, which is why I revised the book. Yeah, he made, he basically turned them into hippies, is what he said. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of what they looked like uh, after the changes were made, so... So he hates he was hippies willing too. To bend. So he hates hippies. Well, <laughs> if that was this was a matter of hate, because he saw it as the Oompa Loompas being more sympathetic people than children. So I think he just really hates children. Right. Yeah, I think he doesn't like children, especially uh, he fat was kids. apparently he was apparently awful to his children as well. In that same uh, article where we get the quote about Hitler and the rather be dead than fat. Um, it said he bullied editors, sold out friends, and insulted his children. <laughs> <laughs> the only way that a child comes off as sympathetic really is if he acts like an adult. And that's Charlie all the way for sure. And that's Charlie. So getting back to the story, uh, of course, who wants a slave but none other than Veruca? <laughs> of course. Why wouldn't she want a slave? <laughs> And dad is all too happy to get one for her. <laughs> As though he can just pull out a wallet and buy a little person. Yep. I mean, a hundred years before he could have. Right. Wonka's like, <laughs> right. whoa, 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 dude. We got to keep this underground, literally underground. Like no one can know. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but he says that, you know, without saying it. <laughs> and while this is going on, what, hap- what, what happens? But Fatty has to go get food so <laughs> augustus gloop is literally drinking out of the river of chocolate <laughs> so sanitary it's written augustus gloop as you might have guessed had had quietly sneaked down to the edge of the river and was now kneeling on the riverbank so this was to be expected that fatty's going to get some chocolate right my goodness so basically he oh he actually says I need a bucket to drink it properly. <laughs> and uh Wonka's freaking out. He's like, you can't touch that, please don't, you know, and he's not actually stepping in. This is what I'm saying. Like, Wonka's not stepping in in any way. Like, get him away from there. You, you know, he's he's like, please stop. He's telling Augustus to stop, and he's not actually trying to stop him or at this point, you'd think they're in his factory. Couldn't he could say, yeah. "Hey, you know, you need <laughs> in to get a proper away from factory, there. you call security and have them drag, right. <laughs> drag him away from the stuff they're trying to keep clean and uncontaminated." Right. I but, mean, he does complain that Augustus is going to contaminate the chocolate, but he does not have sa- safety protocols and procedures to <laughs> keep that from happening. Nope. And even even there, Augustus has a nasty cold, according to his mom. So, oh God! <laughs> yeah, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know that that's you know very relevant nowadays. We are in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we're now on the outs. So, yay! We're getting there. Know, we're, it's another it's another spike lately, but uh, a bunch of people are getting vaccines. So, yay! Woohoo! I I qualify for mine in a few days. Yay! Nice, nice. I got my first dose today, actually. Awesome. We're recording this. Yeah, my arm's pretty sore. But anyways, (laughs) so Augustus ends up falling into the river, and he can't swim. And they're they're, she's freaking out. Mom is freaking out. Big surprise! Yeah, he can't swim. Oh yeah, go figure. 
and he's yelling for someone to fish him out and, and uh, his dad was getting ready to jump into the chocolate to save him. But even then, dad wasn't going to jump in at first. He was like, <laughs> he's like are you crazy? I'm wearing my good suit. Where's my good suit? The poor kid. He's good. It is what it is, you know? <laughs> so uh, then the suction of the pipes got too much and yanked Augustus into it. And now he is stuck in there and it he won't move. Uh, Mrs. Gloop is yelling murder police, and let me tell you, this is not murder. This kid did this to himself. Uh, it's definitely an accident, and there clearly could have been, you know, some OSHA-regulated handrails around this river or something. I mean, they got grounds for a lawsuit. Nobody signed anything. Nobody <laughs> signed any waivers. There were no rails. There yep. was, there's nothing to keep humans from being from falling into the river or being sucked up pipes or anything so right but this this is an accident and not murder (laughs) (laughs) plus he's still alive he's just stuck in a pipe yeah he's just a little stuck he's still good but he's got the pipe blocked good and uh the pressure is building until finally it shoots him up like a bullet and he's gone and she's uh, mom is asking you know where does this go and wonk is like just calm down keep calm there's no danger at all <laughs> this isn't dangerous come on relax lady what do you please don't sued <laughs> so, <laughs> he was definitely more worked up about getting the chocolate dirty than about the safety of the of the little boy oh for sure and uh, they, she says that he's going to be made into marshmallows, and he says, that's impossible, it's unthinkable, inconceivable. He could never be made into marshmallows. And she asks why, and he says, because that pipe doesn't go to the marshmallow room. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so it is leading directly to the strawberry-flavored chocolate room. So, yeah, it goes on a while just talking about them and why, where he's going to end up. And, yeah, there's a lot of filler. Holy cow. There are a lot of filler points in this where they just go on and on about what's going to happen to the kid. It's Augustus flavored this and Augustus flavored that. And and they <laughs> they argue back and forth as to whether people will eat this child. And the mom seems to think that everybody would enjoy eating the child. And Wonka seems to think it would be <laughs> disgusting. Which, you know, he's right. <laughs> he's right. <laughs> I love that his dad gets indignant when Wonka says that nobody would buy Augustus flavored chocolate coating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they most certainly would. My boy tastes delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so the Oompa Loompas, he, uh, Wonka clips, or, uh, snaps his fingers three times really fast, and an Oompa Loompa immediately shows up, you know, because. He has them trained. <laughs> yeah. And that slaves. snap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so she, he tells him that they need to go get this kid, you know, take the parents, go find him and get him out of there. And the Oompa Loompas are like, sure, whatever, let's go, you know, but the, they're also laughing at the same time, but they want to get in there quickly because he's going to end up in the chocolate mixing barrel and they don't want him to get poured into the fudge boiler because that would be a problem. (laughs) And then five of the Oompa Loompas across the river break out into song one of the uh <laughs> the famous well-known uh song interludes in the book that pop up whenever a kid gets eliminated i tried to sing these out loud to myself and the... they do not translate well into into music <laughs> no no and especially not if you try to use the 
it it doesn't work <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, they didn't take these directly lyrically into the into the movies. No, and I almost wonder, like in the newer movie, if they are closer, if these are closer. We'll have to watch that for sure. Anyways, yeah, they sing a song for three pages. The Oompa Loompas definitely agree with Roald Dahl in everything. Yeah, yep. <laughs> they just go on and on about how fat this kid is and how it's terrible to let kids get so fat. <laughs> they just get sanctimonious about fat kids. And then Waka just says, I told you they love singing. Aren't they delightful? <laughs> <laughs> but you mustn't believe a word they said. It's all nonsense. Every yep. bit of it. Yeah, because they also talk about him getting chopped up into a hundred pieces. <laughs> so they jump into the this boat. This boat comes coming down the river, and they uh, they all jump in the boat. And the boat is being powered by a bunch of Oompa Loompas, slaves, <laughs> and <laughs> one hundred Oompa Loompas rowing oars. Yep. So it's more like a Viking co- uh, Viking ship, not like in the movie, which is more like a steam. Like a paddle right. boat. Like a steamboat. Yeah. Yep. Paddle boat. No, and I thought about that too. I'm like, wait a second. Wasn't it like two Oompa Loompas just like rotating a paddle boat type it thing was. in the movie? That's yeah, exactly yeah. what it was. In yep. the Wilder? Yeah. Yeah, in the Wilder one. Yep. Now, this is uh, Mr. Wonka's private rot. Private rot. Private <laughs> yacht. Yacht. <laughs> I don't know if a Viking boat, a Viking rowboat. It can be classified as a yacht, but... I don't know if we're worried about classifications in Wonka's amazing factory of <laughs> deadly <laughs> things. <laughs> well, for whatever reason, Willy Wonka prides himself in owning a yacht powered by a hundred Oompa Loompas rowing oars. Because, of course, he does. <laughs> because, yeah, he's a, he's a slave master. And, of course, Veruca <laughs> wants one, because... And, of course, Veruca wants one. Because she wants slaves. I think it's funny that Mike TV licks it. <laughs> he starts licking the boat. Because yeah, it is carved out, out of candy. a giant sweet. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Please do not lick the boat with your tongue. It'll only make it sticky. <laughs> Grandpa Joe <laughs> suggested Charlie that Veruca should get a good swift kick in the pants. <laughs> <laughs> and right at this point, uh, Willy Wonka is on the boat and he's like, hey, why don't you guys have some chocolate? It's the best in the world. And it's just because Charlie and Grandpa Joe are so polite that they don't feel like they should take without being offered, I think. That's why I feel like they didn't really eat much to begin with because they weren't offered it. Well, so he actually hands them two mugs. He he specifically sits next to Charlie and Grandpa and he dips uh, two mugs into the water and gives into the them... Into the gloop-contaminated river. Yeah, into the gloop-contaminated river and he gives them to Grandpa <laughs> Joe and Charlie and he tells them, you know, you look like a skeleton. What's the matter? Hasn't there been anything to eat in your house lately? And, you know, Grandpa Joe's like, not much. And... They drink the chocolate, and he's like, you like it? And they're like, oh, my God, it is the best chocolate I've ever had. And Mr. Wonka reminds them that that's because it's mixed by waterfall. <laughs> waterfall. Wouldn't it be a chocolate fall? Because it's chocolate? Chocolate fall. Am I thinking too much into it, guys? Uh, meh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Now, this whole spot uh, actually is more like the movie when they, if Violet Bogard says, there's no way to know where they're going, and Mr. Wonka says, there's no way, no knowing where they're going, cried Mr. Wonka, hooting with laughter, and then 
he goes on to do the, there's no earthy way of knowing which direction they are going. There's no knowing where they're rowing or which way the river's flowing. Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. For the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing. Now, I remember that as definitely being what he's saying in the the mm-hmm. Gene Wilder movie. Yeah. Which seems ridiculously <laughs> trippy and out of place there as well as here. Yep, yep, absolutely. So I looked up the clip to see what it was, and the movie version is actually longer. It has more verses to it. Okay. And it makes because it makes and it makes that scene a lot crazier because it is the whole psychedelic sixties. Let's f- do the psychedelic freak out thing. It's just to make it more creepy and make it last a little bit longer. But all these lyrics are in there, but they add more to it. Okay. Mm. Well, suddenly, uh, after everybody is saying that he's wacky, he's goofy, he's beanie and buggy, I don't know, there's a lot of descriptions (laughs) of how dippy and dotty and daffy he is. They go through the thesaurus and use every adjective (laughs) (laughs) they can. He yells, switch on the lights, and when the lights come on, they are in a bright white tunnel that's spotlessly clean. And the river is flowing very fast past them, and all the Oompa Loompas are rowing like crazy. It's going super fast. Not everybody thought he was crazy. Fanboy number one, Grandpa Joe, said, no, he's not. No, he's not. Yeah. (laughs) This is fine. He had some of that LSD. Yep. (laughs) He's right there with him. So all of a sudden, they start seeing these doors on the wall, uh, and there are signs on them. And somehow they're able to read them as they're going so fast by them. But the first one is (laughs) storeroom number 54. It's all the creams. Dairy cream, whipped cream, violet cream, coffee cream, pineapple cream, vanilla cream, and hair cream. And Mike TV is like, hair cream? And Mr. Walk is like, just keep going. There's no time to answer silly questions. And so then it was storeroom number 71. And it said whips, all shapes and sizes. I think we know why he's got the whips. Yeah. Slaves. Yeah. Well, Mr. Walk claims that it's for whipping cream, of course. It's for whipping cream. And he says you can't whip cream properly without whips. <laughs> just like you can't poach an egg that isn't a poached egg. <laughs> it has to be stolen from the woods in the dead of night. <laughs> then they pass the beans one, uh, cu- cacao beans, coffee beans, jelly beans, and has beans. <laughs> and they're like, has beans? And Mr. Walker says, you're one yourself. No time for arguing. Press on. <laughs> so, <laughs> yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there was a bright red door in sight and he waved his gold cane and boom, he yelled, stop the boat. Just nuts. <laughs> so the room I end up at is the inventing room, which, you know, I mean, this place is full of inventions. Clearly. Oh, yeah, he's he's got all kinds of imaginative candies and and stuff that's going to save the world or <laughs> change the world. But he's testing them out on Oompa Loompas. Wouldn't you know it? That's, yeah, <laughs> he tests everything out on Oompa Loompas prior to giving it to people, which is pretty uh, insidious. Part of the benefit of owning slaves is he has no <laughs> yeah. accountability for what happens to them. And so he's testing out shit like the hair toffee and the fizzy lifting drink where they just float away and never seen again. Yeah, that, that <laughs> guy's dead. That Oompa Loompa is gone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the, at least he's not testing on animals. <laughs> well, 
I mean, technically, God forbid. Oompa Loompas, humans, are animals. <laughs> so, <laughs> But they're also people. They're also people, which makes it okay. <laughs> and this is obviously Wonka's favorite room. He is like a kid in a candy store. Uh, and then, sorry, I had to do it. But the hair toffee, the hair toffee is important. That's helping kids with cancer. So I'm okay with the hair toffee. Does he say it's helping kids with cancer? Or no, I just assume. I just cancer? assume that that's why who yeah. it's going to be helping. I mean, it makes sense. It helps them grow beards <laughs> and everything. Um, he it, says there'll be no excuse anymore for little boys and girls going about with bald heads. So it's just for aesthetics. Right. He just wants children to <laughs> be, to not be ugly. Well, he wants everything beautiful. In this room, no one was supposed to touch anything. But we don't have the best kids here, do we? No, we don't. This is where our our little friend Violet Beauregard decides to eat some gum that he's made. And this gum is a three course meal or is a five course meal. It's three. Three course yeah, meal. I think, yep. I think it's a three course meal. And I don't know the how this gum is supposed to work, but apparently as you're chewing it, you can actually feel the food going down your throat, which is would be an odd sensation. <laughs> chewing gum and feeling food slide down your throat. Yeah, mm. it's somehow it fills you up as if you've eaten the meal, which, you know, if he did create this amazing thing and he's not sending it out after he gets it perfected, then he's a monster. Yeah, this would end world <laughs> hunger. For sure. Not that we couldn't end world hunger already, but yeah. But he does it single-handedly, thereby displacing the jobs of every food producer, every farmer, every... Well, I mean, not the farmers. I mean, he needs, needs material to make the flavors or whatever, but uh, anybody in the food industry, nope, we got gum now. We don't need you anymore. <laughs> he's a job killer, that Willy Wonka. Yeah, he is, for sure. Well, it's not like he's got people competing for work with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got slaves. Yeah, right. he's got slaves. They work for cacao beans, cacao beans, whatever. How do you pronounce it? Uh, Bo, uh, Beauregard eats some of this gum, even though he tells her not to over and over again. And then as she's chewing it, he tells her, please don't don't eat it, please. And she keeps going. But uh, what does it do? It gets to the blueberry pie at the end, and boom, she blows up like a blueberry. She's full of juice, and she's purple in color. You're turning violet, Violet. <laughs> this is where we found out he did this to 20 Oompa Loompas. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude. <laughs> it, al- <laughs> it always goes wrong at dessert. I mean, he even talks earlier about giving an Oompa Loompa that hair toffee and the beard started growing faster than they could cut it. I mean, they don't say what happened to that Oompa Loompa from that point on, but they do say that. <laughs> they I'm just like, live miserable existences from there on out. Right. Oh, goodness. <laughs> These poor, poor indigenous people of Oompa Loompa land. <laughs> so, yeah, she turns into a blueberry and then they take her to the juicing room and they have to juice her, but... She's still going to be purple or blue, I guess. Well, here's the thing. Have you guys ever seen the blue people of Kentucky before? No. Yes. Okay. So you have. So there is a condition called methemoglobin. M-E-T-H-E-M-O-G-L-O-B-I-N-E-M-I-A, which causes the appearance of blue tinged skin. And there's a... uh, family in kentucky that it's very well known and they've they've 
basically are the most famous people that have it. So she could always go there and fit in with them. <laughs> Methemoglobinemia. There, that. Interesting. I thought it was cool. Yeah. I've seen I've seen pictures of it before. I've seen like a man with a big old beard look like Papa Smurf. <laughs> and there was we'll have to post a we'll oh, have to yeah. find it and post it on the on the subreddit. So, so they apparently he's able song. to juice her. Yeah, they sing a song about this. And it's super messed <laughs> that's, up. That's what you get for chewing gum. Yep. <laughs> I just saved you reading four fucking pages. <laughs> that's that's the summary of uh, the Oompa Loompa song. That's what you get for chewing gum. Yes. But the purple's not going to go away, as we said. And uh, But they're going to be juicer, so it'll be just fine. It'll be all good. But they, now, all, they all come out in the wash. Now there were three. Veruca Salt, surprisingly, is still on the roster. Mike TV uh, really hasn't been interested in much here because there are no TVs so far as he can tell. And then mm-hmm. there's Charlie, our good little boy who doesn't do anything wrong. Your shambling skeleton of a, of a little boy. Yeah, he's probably just too hungry to do anything wrong. <laughs> so they want to hurry. Uh, Mr. Wonk is always in a hurry. He's running through... Uh, I have a feeling that when we're not seeing him, he's taking little bumps or something. <laughs> it must be. Just in a, in a hurry to get to the next stopping point. <laughs> they pass some eatable marshmallow pillows, lickable wallpaper. The snozberries taste like snozberries. We get the classic snozberries, and it's actually <laughs> Mike TV who uh, says something about snozberries. But I think it was better said by Veruca Salt in the movie when she's like, Snozberries? There's no such thing as snozberries. <laughs> I perfect. think it was said the best by that high guy in um, the uh, Super Troopers when he's licking the back, when he's licking the window of the cop car. He's like, The snozberries taste like snozberries. <laughs> <laughs> So the word the word snozberry actually came up in a in a another rolled doll book and it was actually an adult book that he wrote and it was used as a euphemism for a man's penis where someone grabbed a dude by the snozberry. Oh nice. Okay. <laughs> so the dicks yeah. taste like dicks. Which is okay. an interesting bit of trivia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is a fictional berry, fictional fruit slash flavor. <laughs> whatever that was later used as a euphemism for a dick so there you go good to know <laughs> he didn't write just children's books <laughs> because he's a he's a bastard that rolled doll again piece of shit <laughs> he's a piece of shit but he did use an entire chapter to write a dad joke <laughs> yes the square candies that look round so yeah they're <laughs> basically they're... they're square candies but they have faces and so they turn that is why <laughs> they, they look they round look... The and faces they look, look round. round. Yep. <laughs> I just I just did t- chapter twenty three for y'all. There you go. <laughs> Moving on. The whole thing. Oh, that he now, does point out at this point um, that she, Mrs. Salt, is very fat. Also, don't forget that. <laughs> we cannot ignore that Mrs. Salt is fat. Yeah, nope. Mrs. Salt was a great fat creature with short legs, and she was blowing like a rhinoceros <laughs> <laughs> as they were moving down the hallways. <laughs> Though I did think it's funny that butterscotch and butter gin get the Oompa Loompas drunk. I never noticed that when I was a kid, but it's mm. butterscotch yep. and butter gin. <laughs> yeah. That's why they get Which drunk. Mi- <laughs> Mr. Salt is all up into. It's like, that sounds a bit more interesting. 
No, I've watched the newer movie, but I don't think I really paid attention to it because I, A, wasn't a child and B, was only watching it because there was a child who wanted to watch it. <laughs> um, so I did not notice that in the uh, remake of the movie, they actually go closer to the book because Veruca actually finds her end in the nut room by some squirrels. Mm. And in the the beloved Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, it is the goose, the geese that lay golden eggs and the golden eggs are like chocolate on the inside, I believe. Right. And uh, in this, she actually wants one of these squirrels because these squirrels are shelling these nuts and they're they're knocking on them and they're checking to see if they're good nuts inside. And when Veruca runs on down in there, they end up tackling her. And they knock on her head and they start dragging her towards the trash chute because apparently they found out that she's a bad nut. <laughs> so the nut room isn't where you go to nut? No, no, no. The nut That's room not is where, where the nuts nut. are shelled. Yeah, no, it's not where you come to nut. <laughs> so you definitely don't want a nut in the nut room. No, nope, don't don't nut nope. in the nut room. I'm yeah, sure you'd be nut. a bad nut. <laughs> oh, it, it would be a good nut. <laughs> <laughs> if you like squirrels. Hey, squirrel, squirrels have little hands. Interesting. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, she gets tossed down the garbage chute and then her dad goes running down in there. And uh, this is all after he tried to buy some from Wonka and Wonka's like, oh, no, no, no. We can't sell these squirrels. And uh, dad ends up getting grabbed by the squirrels as well and tossed in there. Well, he goads him into the room. He's like, oh, but she might just have fallen down a little bit. And so they go to check on her and then the squirrels push them in too. Yeah. Push <laughs> both the, oh, both the parents. Yep. Down into the chute. And Wonk is assuring everybody, don't worry. They only turn the furnace on every other day. So there's a good chance that today is not a day that the furnace is running and they'll be burned in the incinerator. <laughs> Burn the rich. Oh, God. It's hilarious. So, Veruca goes down the chute first. Mrs. Salt goes goes to look down the chute, and the squirrels push her over. Then the then Mr. Salt uh, bends over the, the hole, and he's yelling down after his wife, What's it like down there, Angina? Which is where we learn her, her name. Yeah. <laughs> is, is a heart condition. <laughs> then the squirrels push him in, too. Then the Oompa come down the hall, and they sing a song about how terrible Veruca Salt is and all the garbage that she's uh, <laughs> she's making friends with. But the last the verse chute. points out that she's not the one who spoiled herself. It was the parents that did it. Yep. yep. More Oompa Loompa finger wagging because that's just what we need is to get is <laughs> soapbox moral high grounded by slaves. <laughs> <laughs> so then there were two. Yeah, and Mr. Wonka doesn't have time to sit here and worry about it. He needs everybody to get moving, and they're going to go into this magic glass elevator. Uh, he says again, don't worry about it. They all come out in the wash. It all comes out in the wash. Which seems to me like he's got experience with uh, with kids falling falling prey to his traps. I don't think it's with kids. I think it's with Oompa Loompas. Yeah, I think he's Oompa been, Loompas too. I think he's been mistreating these Oompa Loompas like left and right, you know? That's how he knows everything's going to be okay. <laughs> In my head, Canon, I think he's test run some kids through his through his factory. Ooh, but we'll, we'll go through my head, Canon, on <laughs> on how this contest is shaking out. <laughs> 
but we can do that after we figure out the the last man standing. Let's go. Right. So the glass elevator is this crazy elevator that has thousands of buttons in it. And apparently this thing doesn't just go up and down. It goes left, right, up ways, sideways, diagonal ways. It goes all over the place. It's a pretty crazy contraption that he's got in here. Um, Through this elaborate series of tunnels that he's burrowed underneath the greater metropolitan area of whatever town they're in. Right. Uh, there's crazy, uh, crazy different rooms to go to. There's a rock candy mine. There's a coconut ice skating rink. Strawberry juice water pistols, which I can't believe that uh, Mike TV didn't pick that one. But hmm. uh, exploding can- candy for your enemies, luminous lollies for eating in bed at night. <laughs> There's one main one that really points out what's going on. There's a machine with white powder spraying out like a snowstorm. Yeah, it's cocaine. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, man. It'll make you make you make rainbow drops that you can suck them and you can spit in six different colors. And they fly by, they fly by that, they fly by um, the slave village, so, but we at least yep. find out that the kids aren't made to work, so the kids are okay, because they're just playing out in the street, so, you know, better than real life, because uh, that's who, kid, they use kids uh, in the Ivory Coast to harvest chocolate now, in 2021. Oof. That's where so. Walk is actually sticking so sticking around yeah, yet. Yeah, they're, yeah they're in the actual chocolate industry. Yeah. <laughs> Nestle took some notes from old Willy Wonka when they when they bought the Wonka brand. This elevator is a lot like a uh, a roller coaster, but without any kind of safety. <laughs> I mean, there's straps for the adults to hold on to. Yeah. Both Roald Dahl and Willy Wonka hate children. <laughs> Absolutely hate. Children. Grandpa Joe is dead though. <laughs> He's a skeleton, <laughs> and he's getting dead. gustled all around. Yeah, he's dead. But at least he can reach a strap that's hanging from the roof, of the ceiling of the the elevator. <laughs> so uh, they eventually end up at a television room. Well, Mike is... TV chooses the TV room. Yeah, he chose. He's the like, TV I'm room. tired. I want to watch TV. Yep. <laughs> oh boy, the television room. That's for me. But Wonka clearly doesn't understand television or how it actually works because he explains it as you know you take a photograph of a person in one place and then they appear somewhere else and they're much smaller so his concept is that you know if he uses this special camera to take a photo of a chocolate bar and then sends it through the air electronically it'll show up much smaller on the tv but it'll be this chocolate still so you could reach in and pull it out and eat it and this is another one of his plans where He's thinking like, oh, we'll be able to send this around the world and people can just reach into their TVs and get their chocolate, which is not how TVs work. So, no, you need a special <laughs> so receiver. Yeah, you need a special receiver for sure. Boy. Plus, this is this is a teleporter. That yeah. in itself is a just a crazy technological breakthrough. Yeah, this isn't a TV, a <laughs> television. This is a teleporter. Also a theoretical nightmare. Right? <laughs> Uh, Mike TV wants to be on TV, and uh, so he decides that he's going to jump in front of this camera and make himself go through and become he, and show up on the television. He wants to be the first person sent over the air by television. Yep. And so he gets he goes through the machine, and he's floating through the air, and then Willy Wonka's like, well, I hope all of him make it. 
They're like, all? And he's like, sometimes not all the pieces make it. And last week we only got half a chocolate bar. And then his dad said, uh, I hope we get the top half. And my <laughs> thoughts were even crazier. What if like only uh, like the right side of him showed up? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? You're here, but half your organs didn't make it. So flops yeah. over dead. <laughs> <laughs> And you'd know that several Oompa Loompas have been lost oh, to the ether. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that he's basically, you know, because he asks, you know, if a person could go through and walk is like, now oh, you got to be off your rocker. Uh, and then he says, you know, could it work? And he said, well, theoretically, yeah, it could work. I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Theoretically. All he's ever used is on chocolate bars. Yeah, yeah. He's not used it He starts it on off any... with a giant chocolate bar the size of a mattress, sends or, it over the air. Or the result of putting an Oompa Loompa through it was so horrifying that even the disgusting Mr. Wonka <laughs> slave master isn't willing to tell anybody what he's done. <laughs> yep, I believe that. This That's is the one room that had protective suits, so... <laughs> yeah. Yes, the, the, they took... This is the only room where they're taking any precaution whatsoever. Yep, <laughs> they're all wearing space suits. <laughs> the only room with PPE is the television room. <laughs> so he gets no transported, but he's little. Yeah, he's very small. now he's super tiny. Because that's how TV works. But he's all in one piece. So, you know, clearly the solution is to take him to the taffy puller. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, just stretch him out. It's no big deal. Stretch him out because little boys are very malleable. And he has chocolate vitamins. You know, it'll get him, get him right. Especially with it'll vitamin Wonka. <laughs> Yep. Yep. They'll fatten him up again with all them vitamins. Well, vitamin walk will make his toes long so he can play piano with them. But yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> the long toes. And now the Oompa Loompas come and preach about watching TV and how kids should read books instead. How they should buy books from Raul Dahl instead of <laughs> watching television based and, oh on his guys. shows. Which one, I... two, three and a half pages long song about the evils of television. And I find uh. it funny because he doesn't he isn't basically talking about like going outside and doing this stuff and all that. He's he's mostly talking about not watching TV and reading books instead. And it's like, well, isn't sitting in the house <laughs> reading books almost exactly the same as sitting in the house and watching TV? I mean, sure. You got to put a little bit more effort into reading a book, but you're still not you're right. like outside doing something, you know, and it also says in the song that uh, kids won't have any imagination if they watch television. Right. But they will have imagination if they read a book. Well, again, you are with television and a book, you are being told what to imagine in some way or another. So you're not really using your imagination in either case. So I disagree with the Oompa Loompas here. I mean, I I feel for them, and I stand with the Oompa Loompas, and I hope that someday they will find freedom. But I disagree with their views on television <laughs> versus books. Mm -hmm. Just angling for a Newbery Award. It's yep. a little bit late. Yeah, a little but... bit late for that. <laughs> now Willy Wonka looks around and realizes that there's only one survivor. One child who's made And it. reveals that that means you've won. But what has he won? Show him what he's won. <laughs> but they can't dally. They still don't have any time. There's even less more time now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know what his uh, what his time constraints are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? Why we got to hurry even faster? Does <laughs> he, he have a nine o'clock? Does he got to get to or something? He's 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 the head of a, of a factory, a multi billion dollar corporation. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, they come in and he, they come into the elevator and Mr. Wonka tells Charlie to push a button that specifically says up and out. And then Wonka ends up pressing the button. <laughs> oh, he doesn't ask Charlie to press it. Just no, Wonka he presses just does the it. button. He points <laughs> he it out and he presses it. Shuffles Charlie and Grandpa Joe into the elevator and presses the up and out button. Yep. Which takes the elevator literally up and out through the roof of <laughs> the factory. <laughs> In with force that probably should break the <laughs> elevator as they think it might, which, you know, Mr. Wonka doesn't fully rule out. <laughs> it is thick glass, though. It is pretty thick glass, all the same. Yeah. <laughs> but Grandpa Joe says it'll break into a million pieces, and Wonka says, I suppose it might. <laughs> he, he doesn't really know for sure this is the first time he's trying it so yep, yeah you won the it. contest let's let's try something really dangerous uh, yeah let's see if we can commit suicide possibly <laughs> no time to waste <laughs> <laughs> so the the elevator is now flying over the factory and grandpa joe's wondering how it stays up in the air and wonka says one million candy power <laughs> I have seen my version it says the elevator runs on sugar power and in my Ooh. notes I put yeah more like cocaine powder yeah <laughs> yeah you know he is just high as fuck <laughs> literally has candy power too one million candy power yeah one million candy power but it's like it's floating like a how helicopter like a, gone through. I don't know is Willy Wonka an alien is this a UFO <gasps> I don't know. We get into some weird stuff with Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. That's later. That is later. (laughs) I still think we should do that one eventually because. Oh, we will. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. Next April. Yep. (laughs) We'll do it for Easter. Every every year we'll do a. a We'll do one of the two books by Willy (laughs) Wonka. Maybe Halloween, the one that's not a Goosebumps. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It'll be. because it's candy related but they're floating up in the air over the factory and they look down and they see the other kids going home with their their trucks full of the first uh installment of their lifetime supply of candy that they're still entitled to that's probably their their hush payment so they don't they never talk about what happened (laughs) sue me they've got lifetime supplies of candy what can they sue me for (laughs) hey he made augustus thin now he's not a disgusting fat person yeah (laughs) until he eats all the candy because that's his Uh, hobby according to raw doll let's be clear (laughs) disgusting fat person (laughs) again i used to be 260 pounds i was a fat person and now i have bad knees yay <laughs> yeah, he's thin as a thin as a as a rail because he got squeezed in the pipe. I mean, realistically, so uh Augustus is thin as a rail. Um Violet is a smurf. Violet, has to Violet move to is a smurf. Mike TV is stretched out and super thin and tall. Realistically, I think the salts got off the luckiest here because they're just covered in garbage. Yeah, because they're rich. You can't hurt rich people. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) They're indestructible. I'll take covered in garbage over any of those other maladies any day. (laughs) Yeah, dude, rich people can't get hurt. 
<laughs> I could stand to be a little bit taller and thinner, <laughs> like Mike TV. So Wonka is giving the factory to Charlie now. That was what he gets for being a good boy all the way. Uh, he gets the factory. That's what he gets for being the last kid to not fall prey to uh, to their vices. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really all it was. It was like, you for know, here's your having vices. the most and willpower crazy coming from a cocaine addict like Willy Wonka to tell people <laughs> not to fall victim to their vices. Right. But it's kind of messed up, the, like the reasoning why he's like, I want I want someone that I can mold. I want an apprentice that I can mold in the ways of the dark side. I mean, make, making candy, making candy, making making candy. That's yes. what I mean. Yes, yes, making candy. So yeah, he just wants somebody that will do it his way and not their way. Right. Which I mean, he wants the candy to continue on. He's obviously, you know, I mean, he's enslaved to whole people. He risked the lives of four <laughs> children. And they're grown up might, in some ways. He wants the factory to go to a child and not a grown up because a grown up might have something to say about slavery. Right. You know. <laughs> and they won't can, they won't listen to Yeah, God to forbid me. he give that to the learn. Oompa Loompas who have been yeah. doing his bidding and know exactly what to do. <laughs> right. They should be running that shit. Yeah, what's up with that, man? Because they don't have the great white hope, man. <laughs> they, they need a new great white hope. They to need follow. a white person to show them. That's what but colonialism are, is all about. <laughs> but here's the thing: is that Oompa Loompas in this version of the story are white. They are white, yes. Yeah, but so they're it's even more stupid. Really short. <laughs> <laughs> and clearly, if you're really short, then you you know you're inferior. Ah, uh, you yes. don't have the uh, tribal the capacity. I mean, they're 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 some kind of tribal creatures you know or people or whatever they are they're not even necessarily described as being like human per se they're like sprite characters almost yeah he did say that he thought of them as like you know fantical creatures like fantasy creatures yeah so clearly not having the wherewithal to run a fortune 500 company no i mean my goodness they took cacao beans as a payment form of payment you know what are they gonna do when someone comes <laughs> where's the officer? business savvy come on yeah yeah that's <laughs> clearly they don't know how the economy works they accepted a really raw deal there yep <laughs> <laughs> how are they supposed to run a business like, but a, like he a candy factory is telling them that you know they can all come live at the factory now and I do wonder, like, is all all that gets eaten at that factory candy? Because at no point was there anything that was actually food except for the gum that wasn't actually food. Yeah. Well, he talks about the contents of the, yeah, the garbage. The contents of the garbage chute being like the remains of fish and okay, okay. potato skins and whatever. So, like, Willy Wonka eats regular food and the the leavings get sent down the garbage suit okay yeah because he would need to he can't just eat candy candy <laughs> oh that's crazy <laughs> yeah so to make sure that they can't uh not move into the factory he crashes to the roof and destroys their house <laughs> in just, an actual a... place those old people would be dead yeah yes for sure. <laughs> just the shock alone of having a big old glass box crash through their roof that's going to murder some 90-year-olds. <laughs> the elevator's big enough for that bed to fit in, though, which is crazy. But then he drives all crazy. He's he's just trying to kill these old people. He does not want to have to have these people, like, around his factory, I think. Right. Because he takes off and, you know, they're going all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Against their will. 
Like he, for, he firstly forces the issue by crashing through the roof of their house. Then he says, you're all going to come live in the factory. But the other three old people are saying, I'd rather die in my bed. So would I. I refuse to go. So Wonka's just like, push the bed under the elevator. We're going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, Which, of course, Grandma, Grandma Josephine, will there be anything to eat when we get there? You know it's a chocolate factory. You talked about it. <laughs> of course there's going to be something to eat there. <clears throat> oh, you just wait and see. There's going to be so <laughs> much food. <laughs> You're going to be eating candy for the rest of the short rest of your life. <laughs> because we're not eating candy, we'll be eating Oompa Loompas. <laughs> and squirrel. <laughs> Everyone will get it. Everyone will get all the candy they want and diabetes. <laughs> and gum. We'll have gum for every meal. Oompa Loompas roasted with salt. <laughs> <laughs> so that is how the book ends. With everyone and moving to the factory. Yup. And finally, they're not starving anymore. Charlie's found a new role as Willy Wonka's apprentice. Slash new slave master. Slash new slave master. New owner of the Oompa Loompa tribe. I feel like with how kind Charlie is, because I've never read any more of these stories. I've just read the first the first one. I feel like he would treat them better than Willy Wonka did just because of how kind he is. But I don't know. We don't really know that much about Charlie. I mean, his really only uh, exposition of how good hearted he is is he offers chocolate to his grandparents when that's all that he really has to eat right well and he refuses to take the extra food when his parents and family try to give it to him too though there's actually a lot more exposition about how terrible all the other kids are and how fat the shopkeeper is <laughs> yeah <than> there is about <laughs> oh my god it's so fat <laughs> it's just the fattest it just <laughs> meanwhile we're just to assume that charlie's a good person <laughs> I mean, he has his moment in the in the Wilder Wonka movie, like when it's it's added to the story. But he and Grandpa Joe sneak fizzy lifting drink, and Wonka becomes aware of it somehow. And uh, it's because he has that fake spy. Because the fake spy tries to tries to buy the secrets from him. Remember the yes, that too. Yes, yep. <laughs> he doesn't sell the secrets to the spy, and he also fesses up to the the fizzy lifting drink and nobly gives up his gobstopper. Everlasting gobstopper. Everlasting gobstopper. You know, it always frustrated me. The everlasting gobstoppers from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory are so much cooler than regular everlasting gobstoppers. And I, I know. I don't mean it just in the sense that supposedly they last forever, but I also mean it in just the way they looked. <laughs> They, the movie version actually looks uncomfortable to put in your mouth, though. Like those giant ones they sell at novelty candy shops that are like the I size think, of a cue ball. I think that on <laughs> I love both of those counts, you guys need to shut your fucking mouths. Those giant ones are great, <laughs> and I don't care how uncomfortable it looks. If it's going to last forever, I want one that looks like <laughs> a porcupine all rolled up in a ball. <laughs> it looks like a uh, a sea mine. Sea and candy. <laughs> oh, sea mine. Sea oh, yeah, enemy. like a yeah, like, like a, a water mine for boats. Yeah, one of those. Yep. <laughs> I don't care that it looked uncomfortable. It looked cool. I liked it. <laughs> it did look cool. <laughs> but it did not look practical. 
Speaking of not practical, what the fuck is Willy Wonka thinking? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's thinking. The, yeah, I, I feel like Willy Wonka's got to be from a different plane of existence of some kind, <laughs> whether that be alien or uh, magic. I'm not sure. Right. I'm talking about like the logistics of his his contest. Okay, he he wants to leave his factory to a child, not a grown up. Mm-hmm. So he leaves golden tickets, uh, sends them out there into the world where anybody can get them. How do, you don't know that it's going to be five children that end up with it. You could very well have five adults come back with the golden tickets. You don't really have. He's uh, he says in the. Um, announcement that you know he wants it he wants children to to find the tickets or whatever but you're not going to control that i mean with a prize that grand there i'm sure that he has something in legalese and very small writing at the bottom like you must be between the ages of so and so and so and so to in order to accept this ticket and i mean i guess part of this contest You'd have to assume that, but yeah. But why did they include that? Have in the to book? assume this it. is important. I actually am with Andy on this. I feel like they, Roald Dahl, really screwed up here. He has like four pages of Oompa Loompas singing about Augustus Gloop being a big old fatty, and not anything about you know how he's going to make sure kids are the only ones who can win the contest. Mm-hmm. And what if the kids that get these tickets are all fatties? <laughs> is it is it going to be the last fatty that doesn't wind up in the Chocolate River? Right. Well, I don't think Roald Dahl, uh, clearly by the way that he treats people that are larger in this book, uh, would ever have written it in a way that would allow for that to happen. Um, But I do think that at that time, it was far more likely that kids were eating candy. And again, this brings me back to the concept of Wonka being, if not alien magical in some way or another <laughs> he's he even says mm. that he's far older than he looks okay and okay. everybody kind of like assumes him to be like yeah he's a, an adult but he's not old by any means and here he is worried about leaving his factory to someone and he wants to leave the factory to a child when he dies how much time does he have left that isn't explained at all but mm-hmm. he's found these mystical creatures, these Oompa Loompas, you know. And again, even though the original ones were Africa, African pygmies in description, they weren't necessarily that. He still saw them as myth- mythical creatures at that time. Right. According to that the story. That just happened to come from the deepest, darkest parts of Africa. Right, right. Because I, I feel like it was Loompa Land even then. He called wherever this place was in Africa was still Loompa Land. Mm, yeah, I don't know what it was in the original version of the of the novel. <clears throat> I had it in but my I'm notes. wondering. I'm wondering how being the last child to uh, to to withstand or to with how how do I put this? The last child to resist causing an industrial accident <laughs> being the qualification of owning a giant factory and setting the rules of a contest that systematically eliminates <laughs> children using industrial accidents until we find we wind up with a winner. Like, well, that is insane. People on meth don't make sound decisions, Andy. <laughs> People on meth do not make sound decisions. Have you not ever watched Breaking Bad? There's a scene where he starts digging a hole because he knows the meth guy 
will start going at it just to distract him. <laughs> well, I think that it wasn't about, you know, whether or not these kids involve themselves in some kind of industrial accident. I think it was more like which one of these kids is responsible enough and clear enough of mind to not be selfish, not be rude, um, do as they're asked, like, don't touch something, you know, don't touch that gum, don't take that, and mm-hmm. not, yeah, not just act on impulse, you know. Uh, again, like you're saying, kids acting like kids are punished in this book. You said this earlier, but at the same time, a kid that acts like an adult is all good, you know, and mm-hmm. Charlie does act adult. You know, he wants to share his chocolate earlier in the book. He won't take the extra food that his parents are offering him because he wants the rest of his family to eat. He's not thinking selfishly. Yeah. And I think Willy Wonka is exceptionally lucky that Charlie found that ticket. Probably more lucky than Charlie was to find the ticket. Or magic. Damn it. Magic. Or he's magic. <laughs> Alien magic. Caused Charlie to find the ticket the day, the very day before they were to convene on here. If Charlie hadn't found that ticket, it would have either gone unsold or a, another rotten child would have it. And then it's anybody's guess who would the last kid standing would have been and been the de facto owner of uh, Willy Wonka's factory. Or he could just scrap the whole thing and do another contest. I think he would have right. scrapped the whole thing. They would have got their free candy for the rest of their lives, their free diabetes and... <laughs> he would have just had to have another contest or he would have been smart and, you know, found someone good to take over the factory or, you know, leave it to the people that he enslaved. Yeah. One of those, one of those options. Or he could have bought ZipRecruiter. With ZipRecruiter, you could. <laughs> soon. Oh, soon. 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 No, I don't know. But uh, I did find the Oompa Loompas where a, they were a tribe of 3,000 Black pygmies who had been imported by Mr. Willy Wonka from the very deepest, darkest parts of the African jungle where no white man had been before. So not Lumpa Land. Okay. Just pure colonialism. <laughs> mm, Africa's where the slaves come from, don't you know? It's one place. <laughs> you can get slaves from anywhere. <laughs> come on, Roald Dahl. Yeah. Why did it have to be Africa? Africa's a big place. There's a lot of different countries there. The world is a bigger place. And the world is a bigger place. Maybe you could go to Australia and get some wallabies to make your chocolate. I don't know. So. Yeah. (laughs) That's just crazy talk. This is crazy talk. This is crazy talk. (laughs) So based on this, would you guys recommend rereading this as an adult? (sighs) No. I, I recommend watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Like, that was good i still remember it as being fun i i would like to watch it again and see if i actually still felt that way afterwards but i wouldn't say read this book it's kind of boring in a lot of ways and and you know like we were talking about they go on and on and on with exposition about every little thing and then the damn oompa loompas start singing a song and no matter how you try you can't find a tune that fits with the song that they're singing i tried (laughs) over and over again maybe i'm wrong i'm not i mean as musically inclined as others you wind up doing like a 90s hip-hop kind (laughs) of kind of rhythm sometimes right yeah just trying to trying to make it go together and 
Uh, Roald Dahl was not a songwriter. Let's be clear. Nope. <laughs> nope. I mean, this looks like poetry more than songwriting. Right, right. And it's very sanctimonious poetry about you know, pet peeves that he had about what children do. Right. Clearly, he was irritated with children. And fat people. And, and women. fat people and women. <laughs> uh, I think it'll be interesting uh, to when we when we wind up doing Matilda because that's kind of the kind of the inverse of how how rotten grown ups could be. Yeah, that will be interesting. Yeah. How does a rotten grown up like Roald Dahl see rotten grown ups? <laughs> <laughs> but then yeah. Mat- Matilda's a pretty mature young lady, young woman. But I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna agree with Harold on saying. Yeah, the book is a bit much, but I do want to rewatch the 60s movie with Gene Wilder. 70s I do, movie. Or 70s. I want to, I do want to see the new one because I haven't. I remember parts of it. And like I said, I looked up the Mike TV part and I saw how he did it. And I was like, well, that's not that's kind of smart, actually. But yeah, I, I, I would say the book. No movie. Yeah. I mean, I would say read it to understand the the pop culture references because there's a lot of them there's a lot of uh kind of parodies on the on the story like that Futurama episode was a was a pretty fun one uh doing a bunch of takeoffs of the <laughs> the old movie right but i think you can get that from those movies though i mean yeah i mean, the, the movies would be more important to those than than the book would for sure the movies add a lot to the story that that aren't in the book and what you get from the book is basically a lot of griping about children. Right. All right. So sounds like that was a pretty good synopsis. So what do we got lined up, you guys? Well, our next little adventure will be a adventure that we choose our own. What are you talking about? Well, as we discussed earlier, I believe uh, my very first very first book I ever bought at a scholastic book fair was a choose your own adventure called Secret of the Ninja. So what we are are going to be choosing our own adventure. Yes. So I'm going to read to you guys the story and you will choose which thread we go down. (gasps) That sounds awesome. I feel like we should also drink alcohol while we're doing this. Mm, yes, as the reader, is... <laughs> I will not be doing that. But as listeners, I highly encourage it. I think that <clears throat> what we'll learn is that you make the best choices when you're drinking. You make the oh yeah, everyone <laughs> makes the best choices when they're drinking. Absolutely. <laughs> so we're going to be choosing our own adventure around the book Secret of the Ninja from the Choose Your Own Adventure series on the next episode of Reliterated. So we would love to hear some of your feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Interact with us on on our various ways of reaching us, which would be uh, you can send us an email at reliterated at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at at reliterated on Twitter. And you can find us on Reddit at reddit.com r slash reliterated. We're also on Instagram and YouTube, and we may or may not have some uh, bonus video content for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. We still have to set that up, but uh, every so often we will put uh, some video content on there. You can see our <clears throat> first impressions of Butterscotch Crimpets from our Maniac McGee episodes, which is kind of fun. 
I know that my second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth impression of butterscotch crimpets was uh, finish the box. Uh, finish the box quickly. <laughs> <laughs> right. They did they, wind up being really, really good. We still don't have uh, a winner yet for our crimpet contest. Uh, at this point of recording, we're still kind of waiting for some of the, the listeners to get their ears on it. And right now we still have yet to release the third episode of the the third part of that uh, that episode on Maniac McGee. So we will not be announcing any winners this week. Maybe next week. So that's going to do it for us. Thanks so much for listening to Reliterated, brought to you by the Chocolate Milk Friends. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Google Podcasts, or any podcatcher app that pulls from these sources. And we'd also really appreciate your review and ratings on whatever platforms you're using, especially if you like us, because it helps us grow our audience. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great whatever time of the day it is for you. Thanks! Goodbye! (laughs) That's what mine always is. It's just me saying thanks. That's all it ever is. Thanks! Every time. Thanks! It's just me. Thanks. That's all I ever Thanks. say. <laughs> yep, every okay, time. Thank you. Thanks. We'll get better at this sign-off thing. This it- podcast business. <laughs>